everybody, welcome to Frame Trap. On this episode, I am proud to be joined by Ian Hink. Hi. And Daniel Bloodworth. Hello. Uh, I will be your host, Ben Moore. Um, this, this is going to be a weird episode. You know, normally Frame Traps, it's like, oh, we talk about a bunch of different things, have some LOLs. And not take things too seriously. I think this is going to be an episode where it's a little bit more focused on <laughs> heavier topics. And you need those. You need those in life sometimes. And so to maybe maybe set the tone for this frame trap, my first question is, if you could change one thing about online discourse, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. All of it. <laughs> All of it? So would, <laughs> does that mean you would, like, just throw it away and start over? Like, get rid of the internet and then build it back Thanos in? Thanos the whole damn thing, yeah. Oh, so, like, <laughs> like you snap and half of all Twitter users are gone? Um, no, you'd have, to, you'd have to nuke it from orbit. You'd have to go aliens. It's the only okay. way to be sure. Okay. So um, everybody's gone. I guess I would get rid of anonymity. Mm. If, I, if I had to change one thing... Uh, because it protects the trolls, but also like sometimes you need it to protect right to protect people people who are in danger. Yeah, who so, should be protected? Yeah. Ugh, that's why no one solved this right. problem because it's hard. <laughs> Interesting thing to think about, though. Yeah, I guess uh, you could take rage out. That, like, if you took out good. anger, like if everyone just. Like, you could be displeased, you could disagree, but if you weren't mad, maybe that's the secret. <laughs> just no more rage. I, I feel like I'm just being this, well, what about this kind of jerk? But then you've got things that people should be upset about, right, that generate protests and injustices that, in that our too. world. Damn it. Yeah. And there's it's like the only, the only <laughs> gr- good response there is right. rage. Well, I mean, right, I mean that's right. kind of the conundrum I get in as well, because like for me, it's like, well, I feel like okay, we need to have, like, some kind of cultural studies course so that people understand that, like, people around the world don't all have the same values and don't all see, like, you know, black. everything isn't black and white, right? But at the same time, it's like, well, but there are things <laughs> that other cultures There's think are minimum. okay <laughs> that are not okay. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. oh, hmm. Uh, <laughs> what about this? this? This popped into my head. What if there was just an are you sure prompt that came up? before you engaged in online discord like you you type up whatever you're going to type up and there's just a little box that comes up and it's like hey are you sure and it doesn't stop you from saying it clippy pops up it's like looks like you're about to write some hate speech are you sure (laughs) right (laughs) i wonder if that would dramatically improve things because we all need it right like we all get um we'll say things that were like "Ah, i shouldn't have said that we're all imperfect i mean we we've um I think we've talked about this like in- interpersonally before, but you know that that race of aliens in Mass Effect oh, that yeah. says their emotions <laughs> before everything they say because they don't express emotion. Right. So like every if everyone on the internet had to be like righteous indignation, like this makes me very upset, or like um, jokingly, like how dare you, you know, that would make things clearer. And it, there's no flip side to that coin. If everyone was just had to write out their emotions you could still be mad when you had to be and people would know if you're getting way too upset about star wars or whatever uh you know another thing what if there was like 
Because I think part of the problem, right, is is when you have access to something all the time, uh, like you just you tend to get upset about more minor things, mm. right? So like, mm-hmm. you know, little little things that you probably wouldn't be upset about if somebody gave you like a list of things. It doesn't seem as magnified. So what if it's like, all right, everybody can only be on for you can choose when, but you can only be on for like an hour <laughs> you know and so it's just like parental controls yeah, for everyone yeah. <laughs> oh it's so weird because you know like we were saying with rage or anonymity every suggestion i'm saying it's like oh no like that could be super orwellian and wrong at the same time right so i'm not i'm not meaning this is like seriously let's do it it's just a thought exercise humanity's gotten too big for its britches yeah we're meant we're meant to know like a hundred people in our entire yeah, lifetime. Yeah, I think that is. A, I <laughs> totally like that's agree. what the human brain is capable of handling. Yes, I think anything beyond so. that. Yeah, I mean, I actually start do to think, break down. You know, yeah, like with news and stuff like that, it's like there's stuff going wrong all the time because yeah. you know about up. the whole world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, maybe a lighter question. <laughs> If, yeah, we're really start, we're really diving right yeah, in. Yeah, we are. <laughs> is, I tell you, this is going to be a frame trip. Uh, damn you, cyberpunk. Damn you, cyberpunk. <laughs> the name of this episode is the cyberpunk episode. I'm trying to be as explicit oh. with the tone of this episode as I can mm, be. <laughs> so we really are just living in a in a capitalist, post-capitalist dystopian hellscape yeah. now. Um, if somebody came to you and they said, hey... We have a colony on Mars. There's about a thousand people there. We will put you there for free. Would you consider it? No. Probably not. (laughs) I think I would. Yeah. Which thousand? You don't know. That's the risk you're taking. Then certainly not. I think I think I would consider it. I mean, I don't know. Like you never know unless you actually get presented such a heavy situation. But I think air. Quite a lot. Yeah, air and trees are good. And trees, I really like trees. Like, L.A. doesn't have enough trees for me. Like, Mars ain't going to cut it. That's a good point. <laughs> I think I'd be really ex- I think it's one of those situations where I'd be excited for a day, and then I'd be like, oh, it's just a bunch of red rocks, and then be really yeah. bummed out. That's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe if it was like a six-month rotation, I'd consider it. Ooh, but... I like that. Then I'm I think I would and if they're paying me. I'm curious how long people that will go to Mars will stay there because even six months seems like not that long for the amount of time you're gonna take to get there and back. Yeah. Well and also like it's been six months of quarantine mm-hmm. and that seemed like an eternity, so <laughs> <laughs> six months on Mars might feel like a while. Well, let's talk about Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Um, obviously, you know, I put my review up there and I've, I've been able, fortunately to really get my opinions out there. And so I want, (laughs) I want as much as I can, and I'm, I'm bad at doing this admittedly. I don't, I don't want to dominate the conversation. The reason I'm having you guys on is, uh, because you've also been playing it and I really want to get opinions out there that are not my own. And so really just opening the floor up. What do you think? It's fine. Like my like I did I'm I'm one of the people of in Easy Allies who didn't really love Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. Um like I can obviously I can see all the things that are good about it. 
Uh, it just wasn't really my style. Mm-hmm. Um, so my expectations were pretty guarded going into this. Like I was hyped about some elements, but my how to put this delicately, my faith in CD Projekt Red to be thoughtful or delicate was pretty low. Mm. Um, and there are definitely a lot of stereotypical representations of people in this game. Um, it isn't nearly as outright offensive as I thought it would be, at least not yet. Mm -hmm. I'm 24 hours into it, I think. Um, but it still seems I'm like, like I'm fairly early in the story, weirdly. So Mm. I don't know how long it's going to take me to beat this damn game. It, um, it's interesting, Ian, because when I was reviewing it and we were scheduling out, like, okay, how long is it going to take for us to get our review out there? There was that story that, oh, this is a 175-hour game. And so I think in our minds, right, we thought, like, just seeing credits would take a lot longer than it is. And it wasn't nearly as long as, as we expected. You can obviously still spend a ton of time in the game, but I, it, what we were anticipating was not necessarily what happened. I'm the mission I'm on right now. I can actually say because it was in preview materials is the thing with the voodoo boys where you go through the mall Mm, and then mm -hmm. you meet up with Brigitte and go into the black wall or whatever. Like that's literally where I'm at right now. Yeah. I Um, haven't quite gotten to that point, but yeah. The funny thing is I put more time into the game than you have. Oh, funny. Well, and I've done a bunch of other stuff, you know, um, like a bunch of stuff with Delamain and all these other characters. Um, the other thing I would, the other thing I would say is like, I was super guarded about kind of the more sociopolitical aspects of this Polish game tackling one of my favorite genres, um, which my favorite thing about said genre is it's deconstruction of capitalism and like it's examination of individuality and, um, like they're not kind worlds you know Mm. they're not good clean polished worlds but the one great thing about it is that you can really be yourself because the system's going to chew you up and spit you out no matter who you are you know and that's pretty much true in this i guess Uh, i wish i wish you could have more customization you kind of said that in the in your review like and that that i think is my major disappointment like i'm playing it on pc my pc is very good I have frame rate issues and some like things going to T pose here and there. And um, yeah, like I'm trying melee. Um, and so when driving and using my Mantis blades, the frame rate dips, you know, cause it's not using all, all the cores on my Ryzen processor, I guess. Um, but my main disappointment is that it's just an open world RPG and there's not anything really, like mind-blowingly earth-shatteringly like revolutionary about it like i with all the hype around it and with all the years of development i really thought it would be like a um like when i saw the animation in last of us part two Mm -hmm. i had like a i had like a whoa like video games like that that felt pretty future Mm. and there's nothing really in this that's done that for me so far that's the negative stuff i like the characters and the writing way more than I thought I would Mm. um, so far. Uh, And like when I feel my interest starting to wane, some new character twist or thing will happen and it'll pull me back in. Um, And so far the characters 
pretty across the board have been fairly consistent. Um, I don't really try to talk to just random people on the street or anything. Mm. <laughs> I know that that's been a complaint that that's kind of dry. Uh, I've never really tried it, so I don't know. But um, yeah, because that that's one of the things with Witcher Three that didn't just kind of didn't gel with me really. Mm-hmm. And I know that's one of people's favorite things about Witcher Three. Um, so I was worried that like just their writing style isn't my you know my style, I guess. Um, and this one definitely tries to be a little edgy and. The trailers got on my nerves with this game quite a bit, how they just said fuck like every other word. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, guys, I get it. It's a cyberpunk reality. Like, cool it. Yeah. <laughs> like, just have a sentence. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I could go on and on. But yeah, I I like it. I When I got to the end of your review, I actually said, holy shit, out loud. Because <laughs> I, I didn't expect this game to get a 7.5, you know, mm-hmm. um, playing it and how buggy it is. And certainly considering the PS4, ver- like the PS4 version is probably like a two because it just doesn't run. Mm-hmm. It's like garbage. Criminal shouldn't have been released. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I was sitting in the like eights um, probably on my experience because I haven't had any real bugs yet. Uh, but that's the thing is it's kind of just like, it's much, much less revolutionary than I thought it would be. And that maybe is a dis- is kind of a disappointment. Like, if it were bug-free, I wonder if the gloss would trick everyone into giving it 10s or if people would actually look through the veneer and just be like, oh, yeah, it's a pretty good but very standard open-world RPG. I, I want to touch on your comment about the, the 7.5 because, you know, of course I've been seeing what people think of the review and stuff. And there, there, it's definitely been brought up that you, people do the thing Great and they, they do this, the they do this every time where they're like, wait, you gave this a 7.5 or is it really better than this game that you guys gave an eight? And I get where they're coming from and I get that impulse. But what I, what I want to say is, is having done this for seven years, I, I get f- from an audience perspective, why it feels that way. But if you start thinking like that, you can create a situation where if, if, if you come up with all these reasons in your mind where it's like, well, it is actually better than this in some ways, but not in others, you just, you just end up canceling everything out. You create an impossible situation and you can't, right. when you're reviewing something kind of on its own merits, you can't constantly be afraid of like, well, I gave this an eight or this an 8.5 because it, it is, it is truly an impossible situation where well, on a cyber, a cyberpunk 7.5 looks a lot different than a Puyo Puyo Tetris two 8.5. Right. Right. <laughs> there's, there's also that, but it's like, you know, where, where do you draw the line? Because it's like, well, I gave that an eight, you know, five years ago when technology right. was completely different and expectations were completely different and we were right. on different platforms and you know what was revolutionary at the time may be pedestrian now right like so it's it is it is a an exercise in futility and i really believe that and so i think you kind of just have to take things on their own merits and, and just quickly going back to the review is i when i started playing cyberpunk i was extremely hot on it like this is one of the best games of the year hot. And then the more that I played it, it's funny because the more that I played it, there were things that I became more impressed by. And I totally agree with your point about the characters 
And I think this is one of the best examples where there really is no strong difference in quality between side activities and the main story where I am enjoying both things in equal amount. And like, it's almost like, am I doing the main story? Because it's, it's as well-written, if not more well-written than what you experience in the main story. And I really appreciate that because I think we kind of get used to video games having side content and we kind of give it a pass if, if, if it's not up to snuff and cyberpunk definitely has that, right? Like there are a bunch of things on the map that are just kind of whatever and not that great on their own. But I think that's, that's offset a little bit by having actual quests that you're going through um, that are extremely detailed and really go into depth with their, their characters. Yeah. I've, I've found myself doing a um, side mission that felt like a detective story like a Mm. like a dashiell hammett novel or something i was like helping out this detective and like the mayor had died or something and and this detective character that i was working alongside you know he's like the one good cop in a city gone bad you know Mm -hmm. kind of stuff and i was just like this this one side dude i'm like really into this character and they got me pretty quick on him you know and i only i that whole thing took less than an hour i think and it was just like this was really good. <laughs> what's What's interesting, Ian, and, and something I tried to bring up in the review is, I don't think you've seen that whole storyline yet. Like you did, you did. Oh, probably, yeah. You did that with him, like that kind of investigation. But he'll he'll call you later on, mm-hmm. and you'll get wrapped up. And that is something that I love. That I think Cyberpunk really excels at is, like you think about so many RPGs and the people that you're interacting with in that quest, their story begins and ends at that quest. But I think what cyberpunk tries to do that is a little bit more meaningful is just because you did a job for them doesn't mean that they're done with you. They'll try to form a connection with you and they'll slowly start to trust you and let you into their lives a little bit more, you know, whether that's them being part of a clan or getting involved with their family or whatever it is, they'll, they'll kind of slowly open up to you. Um, Maybe not exactly like somebody would in real life, but I think it's it's trying to approach well, that. It's, yeah. it's funny too, and something I have yet to see come to fruition um, in a lot of ways, but the Delamain quest I've kind of seen through to a pretty big moment. Mm. Maybe, yeah, I don't know I, if it's I've the conclusion or not. Too. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. But um, it, it, I remember in Witcher 3 or whatever, it's like, do you save this witch or kill her, you know? And then, like, later on, that comes back or whatever. And the the cool thing with this game, like, to take that detective story thing uh, as an example, you know, toward the end of it, you have a choice to be, like, to discourage him from taking it to internal affairs or whatever, um, or to just let him do whatever he wants. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's one of those moments um, that will pay off later and my choice will make a difference. And that's kind of what's cool about this game is it seems like that kind of stuff is less obvious mm-hmm. where I don't I don't necessarily know I'm making like a oh this is a branching point like choice always. It's um at least I hope that they come back to to into play. It's kind later. of a double-edged sword because I I agree with you that it's it's sort of nice that it's it's not like this you know binary like oh man look at how much you've changed the story and kind of like making it's just like you kind of respond in the moment and then whatever happens happens and you you can't really tell like the lines feel intentionally blurred but i also think that works against it in the sense where you're like did that do anything 
Right. Um, I equally wonder that. I'm like, am I having an impact here? I don't know. <laughs> right. I don't know. For sure. Uh, Blood, I, I want to give you a, a chance yeah, to you speak as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny because, you know, like we're saying, it's like, you know, we'll, we'll talk all day about the, the mess this game is having. And then, you know, once we we log out for the night and then I'm like I'm going and play the game for four hours or so um and like really I'm like having a pretty good time um mm-hmm. and you know kind of like Ian was saying like I'm on a higher end PC now that it, you know I just got put together and so you know I'm seeing you know it with not like the highest ray tracing setting but like the next to highest ray tracing setting and like 60 frames per second and so it looks really good and it's very impressive on those levels of just you know the world and the amount of pedestrians and traffic and the amount of architecture and everything that's going on like that's like the city itself and is really the most impressive thing um just in terms of structure uh but it's weird because i have this i have this sense where i feel like simultaneously like overwhelmed at times and that there's not enough at times (laughs) blood absolutely perfectly yeah i can i completely agree because you know it's like okay there's all these different weapons and and you know tools and stuff like that but then like i get into it and and i still don't feel like my combat encounters are like that different from each other or that i have that many options to really play with like i would like in deus ex for example you know which is what Mm -hmm. basically i you know feel like this is the closest and you know analogy to is like a larger more open world deus ex um, and then similarly, like there are points where I can like go into a place through a vent here or there, but it's, you know, it's like usually just like one alternate way in, or, mm-hmm. y- you know, from, from one I've come across, um, or maybe, you know, a, cu- a couple sometimes, but it will be like pretty s- simple stuff to where it's like, okay, here's a vent and you're in, uh, or there's a door downstairs that you break open. Um, although I did have a, a good moment where I was... Um, I came across a like a side mission in a part of town that I really wasn't leveled for yet, but I'm like, okay, I'll go do this. And I couldn't get in the door. I was like half the skill points to get in the door. There's a really like guard that I knew I wouldn't be able to kill on the other side. I'm like, okay, hey, can't do that. But I saw this fire escape. I'm like, okay, I bet I can get into that. You know, this is a very Deus Ex moment. And I'm like, all right, let me jump to it. Can't quite jump to it. Like, what can I do? What can I do? I'll call my car. I got this big freaking like suv <laughs> drove <laughs> under the fire escape got on the ladder got into the the apartment and the guards were still too um much for me to handle but by like shooting them and like creating a ruckus then my target just started running out and it was just an npc with like one shot I'm like okay run out the window i'm gone bye <laughs> I, I think a, a part of my problem with cyberpunk is I feel like those moments can definitely happen, but it fe- it seems to be the exception rather than the rule. Right. Yeah. And <clears throat> I actually think it's really interesting because I, I did the, the preview for this and then I did the impressions and then obviously I have the final review. And I actually think you see a progression there that kind of emphasizes this point because in the preview, I, I, I feel like I kind of talk about how cool it is that you do have so many options, right? Like you can sneak around and that you can manipulate the environment to cause distractions or get into cameras or whatever. Um, and that it, when things do go bad, like the shooting feels pretty good. And so you can engage with it. But the more that I played cyberpunk, it's exactly like you were saying blood 
that it just sort of feels like the same thing over and over again. And there's not really any variation in what you're doing to really drive home that feel because the game wants you to make choices and it wants you to invest in your character. Like it wouldn't have the, the systems that it does if it didn't want you to take pride in that. But you have so many situations where you're like, I feel like it kind of doesn't matter what I choose here. And, and to what I'm saying is I am a stealth player, just like you are blood. Like I really enjoy um, kind of using my wits to, sneak up on guys and, uh, and and get through a situation undetected. But the longer that I played Cyberpunk, the less satisfaction I had in doing that because you're, you, you, you take a sample size of that game and you're like, there are so many situations where like enemies are just standing in one place looking at a wall. Like, of course they're not going to see you. Like, of course you're just going to be able to sneak up to them kill them or non-lethally take them down and then put them in the container that's right next to them. You know, that's not, that's not an interesting decision and it's not about being difficult. It's just, I feel like with so many of the elements of the game, it's just kind of asking you to do the same thing over and over. And what it was asking you to do initially wasn't all that creative or interesting on its own and there's not really a good sense of, of progression in the mechanics that you can heavily invest so much time in. Yeah. And I feel like there's not, like, in terms of, like, a kind of stealth gameplay, I feel like there's not enough in the way of, like, traps or fun little things that you can set up, to, you know, to where, like, mm-hmm. you're creating a scenario where things go, you know, like, I there's one hack that I've gotten that I've, I've come to like, uh, which is Contagion. Um, mm-hmm. I have that. Yeah, yeah. I and so that's cool because if there's really a lot work. of guys close to each other, like you poison one, and then it poisons the one next to it, and it just kind of like spreads around. But like that's the like most like fun like, kind of creative yeah. way of. But it never kills them, right? It just does like some damage, and then they find out about you, and then you have to kill them all. Um. Yeah. I, I don't think you like maybe if you like really you know get a more powerful variant or put a lot of skill points into that. But yeah, I haven't seen it necessarily outright kill anybody at least not in one shot um well that that's kind of the thing with this game though blood like you said before there it it is kind of this interesting conundrum because it does feel simultaneously huge and riddled with possibilities and 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 variables and stuff but then i am constantly wondering like which corner i'm gonna go around and see behind the facade you know because like it simultaneously feels devoid of almost everything. Like the, the encounters feel very set up. Yeah. You know, like, like going through the mall in the, in this voodoo boys section with the animals in there, the, the animal gang, like it was very scripted in, or not scripted, but like, you know, definitely a level Mm -hmm. and like hacking the way they showed it beforehand the impression that they gave for this game was that all all over the place there was going there were going to be like yeah all these avenues like you were saying like all these opportunities like you can hack this robot you can hack this bench press you can hack this stuff but it really seems more to be like when we thought of an idea you can do stuff like that but it's the exception like you said Ben rather than the rule and like the hacking tools that you have like, I want this thing to be like Zelda Breath of the Wild, right? Where I have, like, 
a set of tools and can do wackadoo crazy stuff with it right with them but really it's just like i have seven different ways to do damage and they're all basically the same and and they're all and really like, powerful or like kind of powerful like in my experience everything kind of gets everyone like a fourth down and then i just kill them with my mantis blades by mashing mouse button one so that's Ian, that is exactly something that I, I want to emphasize. And I think what you're saying is is what I am trying to convey. Because in while I was playing Cyberpunk, there were <clears throat> these rare Mantis Blades that were really expensive. And I was super excited to get them. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go and do optional stuff just to make money to get these things that seem so cool. This is exactly that, what I did. <laughs> that, are, that are out of my reach. And then I got them, and I'm like, these are basically just like knives or other melee weapons I've already been using. It's just, it's just two katanas at the same time. Yeah. Right? And, and Which is cool. <laughs> and, I, and I think that sensation is kind of pervasive throughout the game because I would have these moments where I would run into like a door or a vent or something, and it's like, oh, you can't get in here. You don't have the stats. And I was like, oh, no. Like, is it going to be like way harder for me to get in, you know, because I didn't go this way? And it would just be, I would just, I, I feel like I would just literally look to the left and it's like, oh, no, I can just jump up here. Right. Here's and the option B. Yep. Right. And so I, I think that is, that is kind of the thing is like, of course you want to make it so that if somebody can't do something, there are other options for them. I just felt like those other options were so trivial and obvious that it, again, it kind of made whatever decisions I was making feel a lot less important. It was, it's kind of what you were describing where it's like, no matter what I do, it just kind of takes off a fourth of their health where it's like, I, I feel like things kind of level out to a point where the decisions aren't exciting and that is a problem in a game where you make so many decisions. Hmm. Well, and it's funny too with the stat-based stuff because, I mean, it was it's good advice, but at the same time, maybe it hurt my immersion because Polygon or Kotaku or whatever had that article about like, here are a bunch of like tips for getting going, and one of the tips that really stuck with me was, um, don't use skill points until you need them. Hmm. And so I don't huh. ever level up. I don't ever level up cool or tech or intelligence or anything unless I'm like in a dialogue option or faced with a door that's like, you need eight. And then I, I click I and I go, okay, boom, boom, boom. I have eight. Here we go. Like, <laughs> that's a I, really I funny way to approach it. But it's, it, yeah. but it's like, there's doesn't seem to be a reason otherwise to do that, except for like once or twice I wanted a skill that I was too low for. So I did that for that reason. But see, I would, I would disagree with that because in my experience, I would find that like those, those moments where it's like, oh, I need eight and I don't have eight to be so whatever, like there'd be, there would always be like an obvious, another route that if you yeah. looked at the perk trees, you can kind of stack things in such a way where it's so ridiculous. So like early on, I was like, oh, I'm going to use handguns. And then I saw that the handgun perks were so powerful and stacked so well that I felt like pretty quickly I got to a point where I was just demolishing anything with a handgun because of just, you know, crit damage or, or, or just like all of these different kinds of buffs that were super, super powerful. I'm um, trying to do that with blades because there, there are a lot of, 
there are a lot of things in the blade tree where you can heal. Yeah. Like you can basically mm. bloodborne it. Um, the blade perks so are very powerful that. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, I just got the uh, the devil jump though, so I'm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. Very excited that. about that. So blood, the, the, the double jump was interesting for me because there were definitely times where once I was made aware that it existed, I'd be like, oh, this would be kind of useful. But it fell into like this awkward moment where it was like it was never useful enough that I felt like I had to get it. And, mm-hmm. that, you know, again, that kind of goes back to everything that we've been saying about cyberpunk where I'd be like, oh, it'd be, it'd be kind of cool to get up there, but I can just go this way and I don't need it. Um, well, and that's the problem with games like this, right? Or it's like because you have to um, solve for six different ways to do everything, it means that everything is only like at like level three of complexity. Whereas like if, if things were a way more specific kind of like solution case, uh, you know, it could be way more thought provoking and interesting. Well, you talked about breath. Everything has to be just doable. You talked about Breath of the Wild, and I think people just hearing that comparison will instantly get livid. But I do, I do think there is a point there. I'm not saying that this or anything has to be like Breath of the Wild, but Breath of the Wild partly solves that problem through the much complained about weapon durability, right? Where mm-hmm. because things will break and break relatively easily, that is a natural limiting factor. And you will have moments in the game that are not scripted where you will lose access to something and have to kind of switch to, to, to an option that is a little bit less comfortable. And so by, by doing that, you know, and I'm speaking very generally here, there, there are exceptions and workarounds to everything, but through kind of that implemented system, you have these moments where it's like, oh, that kind of tried and true strategy I, I can't lean on that anymore. And I think that's that's kind of what I wanted through Cyberpunk. And it, you don't have to solve that through weapon durability. Um, I think other games solve this by, you know, through enemy types and them being very resistant to something or, or whatever. Right. I think there are a bunch of different solutions to it. What? But, the, but the idea is, like, some decisions and strategies will be really effective in some scenarios, but not others. Well, and also, like, when I brought up Breath of the Wild, I was also mainly referring to, like, the very specific tool set that you have. You've got stasis, you've got magnesis, you've got the bombs, you've got, you know, whatever. And you start with all of those. And um, obviously, Cyberpunk, very different kind of game than that. Like, this is more about character progression, and you want to have these unlocks. So it's not a perfect solution, obviously, for this game. But the positive to that kind of design mentality in Breath of the Wild is that like they they know that there's like one or two solutions to every problem but they're also aware that you can stasis this metal cube or whatever and like fling yourself to the end of the level and they're like hey you know if you think of it and i think about talos principle as well like having a limited set of capabilities sometimes can be more rewarding gameplay-wise because, like, even if you know you're not really doing the intended solution, if you're stacking a bunch of weird boxes on top of a laser robot, 
<laughs> and it gets you to the end of the level, you know, you still got to the end of the level. Right. <laughs> well, and that that kind of ingenuity and creativity is what games like this are meant to in, engender. Well, it, um, it, on intentionally. And I, I think you can have people be like, well, what if that's what this game is is not trying to do? And I, I think with the right. way that it presents its choices and, you know, tries to keep you out of certain things, I, I actually think there's enough evidence in the game that it is trying to do that. And I think about, like, kind of the, the, the classic pen and paper stuff, right? Like, you know, picking a wizard, right, is a really interesting choice because... You know, and I'm I'm not trying to get into specific editions of D and D for a reason. <laughs> so just bear with me for the sake of argument. But picking a wizard would mean that like you're very very limited at level one, right? Where it's like right. you will if, if if something sneezes on you, you will die, and you can yeah. only cast so many spells. But if you stick with it and you kind of suffer for a while, um, you eventually become extremely powerful, capable of, of manipulating things in a way that, that other characters can't, right? And so it's kind of, that is sort of the payoff there. Or I think about in RPGs where maybe you invest heavily in persuasion, right? Where you you may get into a combat encounter, especially early on, and really struggle in a way that somebody who invests in weapons wouldn't, but you get to the last boss and maybe you can just talk your way out of it, <laughs> right? And so yeah. those rewards are really satisfying because they put you in situations that are uncomfortable on purpose. And I think that is what cyberpunk is is um, lacking is there, there weren't enough times where I really felt that consequence. Yeah. I did come across, a, I don't know if you came across this quest or not. It was a pretty small quest, but... Hmm. These guys, uh, I, I sat down at uh, the bar in a diner or something like that, mm -hmm. and these guys came in to to stick the place up. Mm. And uh, I don't think so, no. Yeah, and so basically, I was able to uh, use my street kid, one of my street kid uh, options in the dialogue tree, to basically freak them out and be like, "Hey, you guys, are you are you part of the gang that's running this this part of town?" Because if they know that you're on their turf, like they're gonna come after you, and then they they got freaked out and they stopped sticking up the joint. That is really so cool. Funny. Yeah. Nice. I feel like I had a an experience like that where there's a character Pan Am who's a nomad, and because mm. yeah. I chose the nomad background, like I'm I'm not sure how this conversation goes with the other backgrounds but i sometimes i do think we've got all three represented here so we yeah. can probably answer that i i do think <laughs> the the illusion sometimes can be just as valuable and the way that the game presented it to me is i felt like because i was also a nomad i could kind of communicate and say like hey no i get you because i've experienced it in a way that was really really effective it's like and and i loved that i was like oh because i have this background you know, even if you're tricking me, it seems like I'm able to just kind of talk to this 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 character in a way that I couldn't. That was really cool. And I don't know if you've if you've talked to that character, if you've had that experience being different I, backgrounds. I've only seen her in passing. Okay. Like I went in to talk to Rogue, and I haven't paid her the fifteen thousand credits or whatever oh, yeah. to move that story. I forward. have done that. Uh, but I saw her walking out then, and I was like, oh, maybe I can you know talk to her and do something now. But she was just gone. I've done the first mission with her, and she just called me okay. a second time, but I haven't done that one yet. Okay. 
yeah, I'd be interested to see how much that changes. Um, but yeah, it would be interesting, you know, like you're saying, Ben, with like builds and advantages and disadvantages. So like, it would be interesting if different um, backgrounds like favor different weapons or something like that, you know? Like, right. If a nomad was really good with a shotgun or a sniper rifle, right. or if a street kid was, was better with uh, submachine guns, or, you know, if a corpos are just, you know... You know, they, they had the money to get trained up with katanas, and so they were super... Yeah, yeah. I think you could go even farther than that, where it's like, if you're a nomad, like, you can only... You're the only one that can, like, maybe modify your car to, right. like, have guns on it or something. Or, like, if if you're a, a corpo, like, you have access to restricted areas that, like, you either couldn't get in if you choose other chose other backgrounds or... You know, you'd have to work very, very, very hard to do so. And um, at the same time, I do understand the argument against that, where it's like, I want to choose this because it is immersive to me. I don't necessarily want to think of the mechanical repercussions. And you do run into situations like that. And sometimes with games where you're like, I vibe with this thing really well, but practically it doesn't offer me anything and that can kind of be a frustrating conundrum mm. i do think there's probably a middle ground there um but i i get that argument yeah well i also kind of feel like um yeah i feel like a lot of times you know the developers you know like they they pride themselves and like well we don't want to hold your hand but like you've got like that what like that one combat tutorial that yeah <laughs> like, mm that you you get and it's like okay here's stealth and hacking and combat and there you go and, and and i feel like there's a lot of other options that are on the table that you really don't get introduced to that well you know mm -hmm. like you know you have to you know specifically seek out like a netrunner shop to see that right. like oh yeah there's a lot of different things that i can do with hacking yeah. other than just like distracting guys and making them blind um and and then sort of similarly with the guns, it's like I picked up so many guns, but like there's a stupid firing range mm -hmm. next to the apartment that you can only go into when there's like you get a phone call from the guy that owns it. Like, can I just go into a firing range and like test my guns out for a little bit? Let me figure out which of these I really like, because, again, it's like the combat scenarios, they're, you know, they're they're kind of small and quick in a way to where it's like I'm not going to like try out like 10 different guns in one combat scenario or right. i'm gonna try two and like okay did i like that i guess i'll go to another one and like and then i end up hanging on to the same couple of guns but my backpack's full of like 20 more <laughs> right that i've never even fired off once and, and that is that is exactly the problem um because the game definitely doesn't bring that stuff to light in a very effective way and on, on some level you know you do want to discover things and experiment on your own but I feel like I kind of had that moment that you did blood where I was like, Oh, there is more that I can do with hacking. Like there are a bunch of quick hacks that you could get. And then like investing in making my deck bigger so I could have, um, more quick hacks installed. And then it just not really changing combat all that much or making it that much more exciting because the scenarios were still like too simple. You know what I mean? Like I, I just right. feel like it wasn't putting situations in there to really let that stuff shine. And then it, that in turn kind of um, 
changes like it, it it dampens your enthusiasm for exploring that stuff and then the the natural argument is well why don't you bump it up to hard or or very hard and that doesn't really change things in an interesting way you just die quicker like it doesn't doesn't make the situations that you're in well, and, and more also like i f- from my opinion in my opinion like for a game to be worthy of changing up a higher difficulty it has to run right and and be like fair yeah and like as someone who's trying to go melee like i only have a sniper rifle and my mantis blades equipped because those are the only two things i ever need Mm. those are the only two scenarios i'm ever in i'm either far away and have to kill someone i stealth them and knock them out or i mantis them to hell uh to pieces but like so many times, like I invested to get 30% damage reduction in explosions mm-hmm. because so frequently, so frequently, I will be fighting people with melee and then just explode because there was a canister to my right that oh, I didn't even see yeah. and I hit it with my sword or my manus blades and exploded. Mm-hmm. And like that's happened to me like four or five times on the last dude. And then I have to do all of them again. And um, so I'm quick saving like crazy now. And um, also I, I look for explosive things first. <laughs> right. And like that isn't fun, really? I don't know. I will say um, where it, they do kind of push back a little bit more is with the, the cyber psychos. Um, mm. Like when you come mm. across those like, I only fought one and I was way over leveled, I think, because I killed him immediately. Oh, really? I was like a sniper and I I literally just sprinted at him. I have no business fighting. (laughs) So I think that's part of it is maybe I'm like going in like against guys that I'm under leveled against. And so I'm like, all right, I got to really figure this room out. Well, the leveling system is a joke. Like in my experience, if if you like I've I've literally wandered into the wrong part of town Mm -hmm. and like walked by a guy that got mad at me and killed me like instantly and i was just like what did i what <laughs> like you know yeah so that that's actually what i was going to say that i wanted to push back against the cyber psychos thing and admittedly i did not do all of them but my experience was kind of similar to ian's where it, it was very black or white where i would either get into a fight with one of these guys and <clears throat> it would just be over so quickly and i felt like i just kind of did a point and shoot or I would be so under leveled that they would obliterate me. And it didn't, I, I, I wasn't like, Oh man, you know, I really thought my way through that or, or really, you know, did something skillfully there. It was just like either too easy or too hard just based on the danger level of it in a way that this just wasn't Hmm. interesting. Like there wasn't anything mechanically that they were bringing to the table. Well, and this this actually highlights one of the things, one of the realizations I had about this game that made me reconceptualize what kind of game it is, um, and kind of in line with what I was saying earlier about Breath of the Wild and stuff, and 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 like, from what I understand about Deus Ex, where it's like you know you have two or three different paths you can take through most places. When when I saw that this game had leveling, like, and it worked like that, and like enemies and areas and missions could say like danger level low or moderate or high or very high or whatever Mm. it to me that kind of stuff flies in the face of immersion in a strange way because it's very just 
artificial. It is, yeah. To me, it 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 isn't something like immediately made me recontextualize this game as oh, this is not this is not like an immersive sim. This is not um, a living world where I can use my own grit and and moxie and get through stuff on on my wits alone. It's like, no, if I'm not meant to be somewhere in the story yet, I'll get destroyed. And that's the kind of game this is, Mm -hmm. which is fine. It's just not the kind of game I thought it was from the advertising and stuff. I'm not mad about it. It was just I had to Mm -hmm. recontextualize what this game was in my head. Um, And and the the hour-long presentation I saw at, e3 like the second time they did it kind of did that it started that it like crumbled the veneer for me a little bit where i was like oh it's just a game (laughs) you know like i thought it was going to be like the revolutionary and it and it's not you you did say something though that i want to touch on Uh, you know because i i think people will talk about this conversation and be like oh you just wanted it to be something that it wasn't trying to be and and seeing cyberpunk before release and the way in which they talked about it, I do think it was trying to accomplish what we say it's trying to accomplish. Um, And they said it was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and you know, we're, we're kind of talking about other games and, and how they may exceed mechanically where cyberpunk fails. But I think the thing that is surprising in a positive note to cyberpunk and something that a lot of the games that we're talking about are are terrible at, or certainly not as good at, is uh, the way that cyberpunk explores things. Like, I was not expecting to go to a funeral and 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 have that right, moment, yeah. you know, be so thoroughly explored. Right? It wasn't just there to be like, oh, this person died. It was like getting to go up and to talk to people and getting different perspectives on what just happened and then trying to make you as the player be like, okay, well, how are you emotionally dealing with this? What is your response to this moment? You know, it wasn't just a cut scene. It was like, let's talk about what it's like to go through this and live through this death. And and it's not just that, you know, I'm just pulling out one example here, but there are so many moments in cyberpunk where they they sit down and kind of explore a topic and they don't over sensationalize it. It is it is yeah. totally okay with just you kind of sitting down and then giving you options to pick and, and talk about. There's a quest that deals with somebody's um, struggling with faith in a way that it has to be one of the better examples of wrestling with faith that I've ever seen in a game. Like certainly not the only one. I haven't done that one. Yeah, but it's 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 really really good, and I think it approaches it with kind of this honesty that really just lets you think to yourself, okay, what do I think about this situation? And you can walk away kind of feeling like I don't have to think this way or the other way. Like we could come to different viewpoints on it, and the game is 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 creating that space. Um, and so I do think in in the writing of the game and, and in the side quest that they specifically chose to construct, they are constantly exploring different and worthwhile things that 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 is nuanced in a 
pretty good way. And I, I think people hear that and they're like, well, what about this or what about this? And it's like, it's not perfect. I don't think it's doing everything right, but it mm -hmm. is trying. And I think uh, it is trying in, 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 a, in a way that games don't <laughs> oftentimes. And so it's so hard to kind of take that and acknowledge it and then look at the gameplay or technical sides of this game and not seeing that in the same way. Well, and the, that, and I mean, you know, take this, uh, you know, I, I didn't love Witcher 3, so there's that, but I found the gameplay in Witcher 3 to be pretty bad. Mm. And this game, I find the gameplay to be fine, but in both games, the the stuff I liked the most were the characters and those little interactions and those kind of explorations like you're talking about, Ben. So, like, to me, and granted, limited sample set here, but, like, that seems to be CD Projekt Red's real strong suit. Um, in addition to making, like, a visually interesting and complicated and large game world, um, the yeah. gameplay just... It, it, gameplay is like a two or... Well, that's way too low. But gameplay is like a four, and characters are like an eight or a nine. And... Yeah, I find myself wishing that gameplay were at least a seven or an eight, but so far the characters are what's keeping me in it. Right. And and that's fine. Like, that's fine for a game like this. I think, especially a lengthy story story heavy game, you know. But if it were in, if it were, if that wasn't there, yeah, this game would just fall flat entirely. I think. Well, I think even the comparison to The Witcher isn't. I, I I get what you're saying and I agree with it even, but with the Witcher, it's like you are playing this one specific character. This is right, his yeah. job and he just does this job a certain way. And it's not that you don't have any options or, or an array of tools, but it is kind of contextualized as you are this single thing. Whereas in cyberpunk, um, you get to create, not only create somebody, but explore all of these different options. And so I think naturally it does kind of create a different expectation for how those decisions are going to play out. And it's like with anything, if you do give people an option, you want that option to be interesting and, and worthwhile and rewarding. And when it's not that, that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. And it, I, I mostly was referring to, yeah, like the, the gameplay in both is just a little clunky. I oh, guess, that's true. I, I mean, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So not not so much about like player option, but just like the literal act of playing it. Right. Is clunky mm -hmm. and like bugs aside, like you know, I'm I'm trying to kind of project my my mind forward a couple of months to when like the bugs are fixed, mm -hmm. and you know, on a on a big computer that runs well, you know, I haven't had that many. Um, but even so, I think, you know, bug free, this game's, you know, still got some issues, like some pretty big issues. I agree. Yeah. Um, I know, I know people mean well when they do this. Um, and I'm, it certainly doesn't anger me, but I don't, I don't, don't think it's a productive question because people like I, I someone asked me they're like okay so in a theoretical world if this game had no bugs uh what would you give it and it's like i get what you're saying and that that is a very good question but i think it runs the danger of like 
trying to, like I, I all i can do putting a numerical value on bugs right like all i can do is evaluate it <laughs> right. now you know like i think right. it is dangerous because you could do that with anything right like you could take that and be like well you know if theoretically they make this dlc that does this and it's like um you know that that question is coming from such a well-intentioned place but it's like all I can do is right now in this moment. And I agree with you, Ian. I think some people look at the, the the score that we give it and it's just like, oh, well, they're just mad about the bugs. And it's like, I am mad about the bugs. That is true. It is part of why it got the score that it did, but it is certainly not the only part. And I think that that is what yeah. you're trying to say is absolutely it is not that it's far from the only criticism. Uh, well, and you, you, you have to, it's, it's a funny and not a direct kind of a thing, but you could find yourself in a similar situation. I, I could imagine in a game where it's like, let's say it has like one really offensive thing in mm -hmm. it, you know, and, and you could get into a situation where people would be like, well, if, the, if that really offensive thing wasn't there, it's like a 10. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, well, it's kind of immaterial. Right. <laughs> like it doesn't really matter, right? It's sure. it is what it is. This is the package. Um, yeah, you know. I, I think the other thing that we were talking about a little bit the other day, Ben, is just it. It feels like it feels like I wish there were more things to do that were not just quests. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, we talked about the surprise of walking up to those arcade machines or the pachinko machines, and like, oh, I I can't actually do anything with this right here like it's just right you know it's just the sprite that's gonna loop over and over uh, and and like i could see you know not that it would have to go to like having all the kinds of crazy stuff that yakuza would have but just having more just sort of just little fun side activities or you know even something you know say something like uh kind of like persona where like you could you could use your phone to call up those people and say hey do you want to go get a drink? Do you want to go out, you know, to this restaurant? Do you want to, you know, go just hang out, you know, by a pier somewhere? Just whatever, you know, and, and just like have a lot more of these like optional moments that are there for you to do without mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm going to drive to this fixer and like have the one line of dialogue or whatever. Yeah. Um, You're totally right. Yeah. But I, I think uh, when we were talking about it, privately uh, a comparison that you made that i thought was really good is you mentioned <clears throat> witcher 3 and gwent mm -hmm. and you know witcher doesn't have like this this crazy amount of interactivity right like it's not like you can just interact with every single thing that you see while you're exploring a town or whatever but even just having gwent even having that one mini game um adds so much right and it, it, it just becomes this this kind of thing where you can pause and and talk to somebody and it was a way it was another way that you could get to know the world and it is it's not that i think like you were saying blood we expect cyberpunk like oh it has to have playable arcade machines it's not that that we're trying to convey it is just that the world feels static in a way that it shouldn't right like you can't quite engage with it in a way that it seems like it's trying to present itself to you as like like you know people have brought up that like it's weird that you can't even change your hair or 
Uh, right. It's like when you go to eat something, it's just like, I just, just the menu pops up. And it's like, none of those things are. Or the Ripper Dock. Like, I expected right. to have to go through an animation, like, ripping my legs off every time, but you don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or, or even, you know, like, you install all this cyberware, but it has no impact on how you look. Right. Yeah. And it's not like any of these little instances are, are like, oh, all, all that bad or egregious on their own, but it all kind of adds up to this, this feeling of like, it seems like maybe I should be able to do this. And that, it's, it's just kind of a weird feeling to well, it, wrestle with. It's it's interesting because I find myself thinking about the nature of open world games, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, on let's let's as a thought exercise, let's put on one side of the spectrum L.A. Noir, mm-hmm. right? Which is ostensibly an open world game, but in practice is basically a linear narrative in an open world. Yeah? Like, yeah. pretty much. Right. Like There's the a little bit of stuff you can do. Kind of similar, yeah. Right. Right, where it's like, you're in this place, you can drive wherever you want, but really, we're just here to do this story. And then on the, the other side of that, again, I'll bring uh, Breath of the Wild is on my mind, so I'll just say that. But like, that's an open world game whose core functionality really kind of depends on your curiosity and seeing something and being like, oh, whoa, I wonder what's over there. And then you find a shrine or a person in the woods or whatever, or a cause, you know? And those two poles... You know, I think cyberpunk exists somewhere in between, definitely, but closer to L.A. Noir maybe than to Breath of the Wild in its nature, because hmm. I don't know it, that I agree it, with that. Well, because and at least maybe maybe this is just me and like maybe this is a testament to the to the story and the writing, but I haven't found myself driven to explore too much in this game and maybe that's because it's so visually dense and like the menus and the world and everything they're just so filled with things that my eyes can't can't parse out something to be interested in i just like see city and i'm like okay i'll just do the story and go to the waypoints and uh, go do this Mm -hmm. you know stop this assault in progress to get some money or whatever but like it it feels like a midpoint between maybe those two games because it 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 has a lot of like Assassin's Creed style like a lot of things on the map to do yeah but really we're here to tell this story and do these missions and these really robust side missions obviously way more than L.A. Noir right um, I do think it's a really valuable exercise that you're trying to bring up and I, I think I yeah. definitely agree with the sentiment that you're trying to say but I think the the problem that cyberpunk runs into and admittedly it has been a very long time since I've played through LA Noir so I may be misremembering it in a certain way and I I do think there are plenty of things to criticize in LA Noir but while there is an open world that is not really used in the way that open worlds are typically used by having a lack of things I think it naturally places the focus on the story. So I, I right. think the sparseness, while you could be critical of it, and I think there's a point there, it, it, it is kind of naturally, through its own design, driving you a certain way. In Cyberpunk, there are so many dots on the map, and so then I think fairly you kind of want to explore them and you want to do them because not only are there dots in the map, but like we were saying, there are things to work for. There are things to buy. There, there is a, a consequence of that system. But I think all of that stuff is, is just very shallow in a way that I think is super fair to criticize. Like how, well, how annoying that, is it kind of... that people constantly keep calling you to buy 
cars. <laughs> like, yeah, it's <laughs> like I got the Akira motorcycle, and driving a car in this city is annoying. I'm not not using a motorcycle. I'm done. But it, but it, I've got it. But it's like <laughs> I, I feel like when you you are in the quest, the game does such a good job of trying to present these characters naturally and as like real human beings that that would react this way given the the situation it's so frustrating that like you immediately get out of one of those moments and you get like this annoying like hey want to buy this sweet ride it's just like even with what you are trying to present there is a an obvious better way to present it and so i think that it's it's a noisy game yes in in every sense of the word it's it's audibly noisy and there's a lot of signal to noise in it um and visual noise but um i think that's kind of uh, uh, that's kind of what i was trying to say ben exactly mm-hmm. is like there are so many check boxes on the map so many things to go do but then you realize after doing three four five of them that they're saying the, the same they're samey mm-hmm. and uh unless you need money they're just there to serve a utility so then unless it's a side gig um or the main story you know like those are the those are the the reasons you're there you know not not exploring this world not living in this not inhabiting an immersive sim but you're here to do the main story and 20 or 30 really good side stories this is not a criticism Mm -hmm. i'm just saying this is what this game is Mm -hmm. and that it's not what i thought this game would be before getting into it and I mean, we don't have time maybe to get into a discussion mm-hmm. about hype and advertising campaigns mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, that kind of a thing. But it is kind of a strange situation where, I don't know, like, it's it's hard because you want to sell your game. You want to hype people up for your game. But how do you not overpromise with a game like Cyberpunk? Because how do you not describe the world philosophically and narratively without also implying all kinds of gameplay stuff that aren't that aren't really in it you know well it's not it's not just that right because it's it is also a precedent where this game like this is coming after the witcher 3 which is arguably one of the defining games of the last several years right and and really did push things forward in such a way and naturally when you have that happen fairly or unfairly people are going to have very high expectations right and so when you say yeah cyberpunk from cd project red that's going to be a very different you're going to have different feelings than if it's like oh hey this developer i've never heard of has has, is making a cyberpunk game that doesn't mean that you are trying to be unfair but that is that is how anything works that is how that is why like when people market a movie from a famous director they make sure you know it's from that famous director and if they are put if they if they are as especially if they are leaning on that reputation it it, it doesn't feel unfair to have that expectation going into it from a consumer level, right? Like a lot of people are are buying this because of the reputation that CDPR has. Absolutely. 
Remember that period of time where they were hiding the fact that M. Night Shyamalan was directing him? <laughs> like they wouldn't put his name on the previews anymore? But that speaks exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about, right? That's exactly yeah. what you're talking yeah. about. That's what I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, I, I was in a theater when his name came up and people started laughing and I was like, oh boy. Uh, yeah. It's so weird though, because it's like we talk about all this stuff and like there's a lot of these criticisms we talk and like I, I, you know, that I agree with. And yet at the same time, like I, I'm actually pretty obsessed with just wandering around this world and uh, you know absorbing things and exploring and yes and i mean clearly you've had you've got more hours in it than i do and you haven't done like three or four big missions that i've done yeah so you know and yeah. like doing the the delamain quest you know where you end up like they they shoot you out to all these different parts of town and i'm like do i want to do this yet because i haven't i haven't been to these parts of town but then it's like oh this is looks really different you know it's like it's really easy to feel like night city is looks basically like the area you start but there are all of these other branches and and spokes to to it you know and, and it's like I, I did another quest for like you're basically in like this kind of like you know kind of shanty town kind of area and um and then obviously like you pointed out the uh the trash dump outside and so I'd seen a glimpse of that and like, okay, well, we need to get this shot for the review. So I like, I picked up some stuff for Ben while he was working on his Hall of Greats presentation. <laughs> and I went out there and like, where's the trash pile Ben's talking about? Oh, okay, right. cool. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> Let me find the best spot to get a shot of this. Um, but uh, Well, and, and, oh, you go ahead. No, Blood, I 100%. I I boy, it's I'm so glad I'm having you guys on because I, I do agree with you. Where I I absolutely have all of these criticisms, and it, this this was such a hard game to review because I think in in one sense of this phrase, it's absolutely true. I I love this game, and even in this conversation, there were certain characters like Ian. You mentioned the character Rogue, and I think about like I really love that character. I really cared about them, and there are multiple characters that I can think of where it's like I really cared about these characters on a deep level, and and in and in one on the one hand, I really do. I am infatuated with this world. Like there would be so many moments where I'd be in a scene or looking at something, and I'd be like, "This is so immaculately constructed." Yeah. And I'm thinking about playing it right yeah. now. And <laughs> yeah. Well, the weather. Like, I didn't start seeing weather until the last couple of nights that I played. And I'm like, oh, funny. Once you start getting that, like, Blade I feel Runner like it rains all rain, the time. It's like, what? And then I had, like, some sandstorm or smog or something come through, and just, like, everything looked different. And, like, you had the rays from the sun coming through and diffusing. And it was just, like, the world looks entirely different now because of this weather that I hadn't seen before for whatever reason. Yeah. But but that's that's the thing, and I think this is something that everyone goes through, and I go through this um, not not just as a critic, but also as a fan, where you you have those moments where you're, you know, completely enchanted, and I I think once you, once you get that way, there's there's a part of your brain that wants to write those criticisms off, right? And you want to be like, oh, it's not that bad, or oh, it's not that big of a deal, and it's like, oh yeah, it exists, but you know, all these other cool things exist. That that is a very human impulse and i think that that is something that really taking our time with the review helped combat is it it kind of you know once that impulse happens if you give yourself enough time other thoughts pop up where you're like okay yeah but 
like that really is a problem and it's getting harder to ignore and it's affecting all these other things. And I think just kind of giving yourself some space to really sit down and think through it thoroughly, you allow not only yourself to love the game, but also accept all of the problems that it has. Um, exactly. And I think that's an important uh, step. Uh, you're totally right. And like, I wonder if it's a problem that we have or I think, no, cause like people on Twitter and stuff, you know, ask us about goaties enough. And like, there's the game awards that had eight, 83 or 8.3 million. I don't, I'm unclear on how many million viewers it had, but, um, a lot. And, um, it's that this obsession with perfection and like, what's the game of the year? Mm -hmm. And like, what's this, what's this? And like a game like this, obviously going to come up in that conversation. Cause it's just, it had the marketing dollars to 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 be relevant, whatever. Um, well, the reputation, like, like Ben was saying. And there, well, yeah. yeah, obviously, I was just kind of joking, but like, um, there's there's a true freedom. And uh, Ben, you began this entire conversation by asking if you could take something out of the internet, what would it be? Mm -hmm. And you know, there's a true freedom to not needing something to be perfect. Yes. And and to just like. Like you said, like I'm enjoying this game. It's not the best game I've ever played. Right. Certainly, it's not my favorite game. And uh, there's a lot of things about it I don't like. And there are a lot of things about it I really do like. Yes. And I don't need it to be anything other than that, you know? And I, I'm always a person, like, I think I have a reputation for disliking a lot of stuff. And, like, I do think I am maybe a harsher critic about a lot of things. And I have really specific tastes, mm -hmm. you know? And I like stuff and don't like stuff. Um, but, like, that's the beauty of video games is is if you're not enjoying something, you don't have to play it. <laughs> like, you can stop. Um, and if you are enjoying something, even though it's a 7.5, that's fine, too. And, um, yeah, a game like this, you can find a lot of stuff to dislike and a lot of stuff to like if you can get over your need for rage or for perfection or you know like if you don't have to be mad at it i i think you can just like it, it or dislike it in what you're saying is so on point and so beautifully said the only thing that i would add to it is, is you're talking about rage and acceptance and I, I think actually like the, the perfect word here is validation mm. where yeah. people yeah. will have emotions on something and they need it reflected back to them to such a degree that if it is not, they they can't accept their own feelings on something. Right. I, I mean, I would say, you know, by and large, if, you're, if your thoughts and words and deeds are not causing harm um, or illegal, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, they're pretty much valid. Mm -hmm. Like, as long as you're not, like, out there spreading hate or hurting people... You can think what you want, <laughs> you know? I think a really good example of this is The Last of Us 2 and the, the conversation that surrounded that because I think you had a, a lot of people that really <clears throat> cared about Joel and Ellie and were really, right. really, truly and wholeheartedly in love with those characters. And those characters went in a direction that they didn't like, that that that, that disappointed them or made them feel sad or, or, or hurt them in some way. And... I think those are valid feelings. It was how that disappointment was expressed yeah. where where it was like, I have to destroy it, <laughs> that it became a, a problem. 
Or, or like the reaction in the, like, I haven't really done it, but I'm sure if you read the comments section of our spoiler mode, wherein I was, you know, talking a lot about my thoughts and feelings about Last of Us Part Two, it's like, I think it's easy to focus on that I didn't super like mm -hmm. the narrative and that I don't have a past really with Joel and Ellie, even though I know the story of the first game, you know. And, and it's really easy to gloss over the fact that I think that that game is best-in-class accessibility, best-in-class animations, best-in-class, like, uh, really best graphics on the PS4, possibly. Like, there are so many incredible things about Last of Us Part Two, um, but it's very easy to focus on, like, you know, criticisms about narrative and, and, and gameplay design. Um, and it, it's just an interesting aspect of our jobs is uh, that interpersonal stuff comes into it mm -hmm. and like my personality and my presentation and things like that obviously come into it as well mm -hmm. but i'm i'm honestly like the kind of person like you know with a game like like last of us or 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 cyberpunk it's like yeah i like there are a lot of things i like a lot of things i don't like and it's like it comes it comes out to a median point you know and like unless it's last guardian I'm not going to get super pissed about it. You know? <laughs> well, that game is fucking trash. So. See, that, there you go. There you go. That's <laughs> what I want to say. That's I'm what just I kidding. That's I'm what just I kidding. No, 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 no. It's a good point. It's, it's exactly kidding. what I was going to say is uh, the, the danger, I think, of, of, of having a platform like this, or one of the dangers, not the danger, but one of the dangers of having a platform like this, and we do, we do run into it, right, is you sound like you're, you're preaching or like wagging your finger right, and it's right. like, you know, you, you can't make these mistakes or, or represent things that way. Like I've totally talked about things. Like I think about some of the ways that I've talked about final fantasy 13 or the ending of game of Thrones. And it's like, you know, I was mad and I probably expressed that anger in, in, in ways that like in retrospect, I wish I wouldn't have. And everyone does that. Right. And so that is yeah. something that I want to, communicate is just because you do have moments of, of reflection or clarity it doesn't mean that you're not susceptible to the same things that you complain about and i think well, recognizing that a, is important there's a huge difference between passion and vitriol right you know like i can be passionate about disliking certain elements of last last guardian or uh last of us part two you know but it's not hateful. Even if my like tone of voice might sound like that mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, or anyone. I'm using myself as an example here because it's an easy one to to draw to. But I think that everyone has this issue where it's like when when impassioned, one can sound very angry, right. but if you're not directly attacking uh people, mm -hmm. you know, you can be passionate about disliking a work um but as long as it doesn't cross that line, into death threats and and rage and that kind of stuff you know it's part of I mean, of accusations criticism. right like all the accusations, accusations yeah. that have flown around the, around that game mm -hmm. yes oh yeah yeah and it, it that that's that's the the aspect of of the internet that i think is unfortunate and and unnecessary mm -hmm. um and i i'm i'm sure it's it's such a multifaceted issue um but I mean, like to bring things back around to cyberpunk, mm -hmm. to to take for example the uh, issue with the the PS4 and Xbox One edition of this game. Like, 
I think that is a, a, a situation where people are justifiably angry um, because, like, they spent money and on a product that does not work. <laughs> right. right. And, like, should not have been put out in that state. Um, like, we all expected this game to be a hot mess, you know, but we didn't expect it to be that hot of a mess. Even expecting yeah. something and to be a hot mess, though, doesn't excuse it. No, no. But it's just like, you know, we expected it to be a hot mess because Witcher 3 was a hot mess when it came out. <laughs> right. You know, like, it's part of that pedigree. Is And, and like, it's like the joke, the ongoing joke about Bethesda games, mm-hmm. right? It's like, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, month... this is like a level of open world complexity. You yeah. know, that it's, it's, there, there's only expected. so much that you can do in QA, mm-hmm. but yeah. that's a whole different story. Like, there's just a, the level of severity is just in a completely different ballpark. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fact that, the fact that it got out the door at all, um, in some of these cases, even on PC, honestly, uh, um, is like playing it on my PC is probably about as buggy as this game should have been. Like, I haven't mm. had any game breaking problems, but it's still kind of buggy and framey and doesn't run great and, and people t pose uh, randomly I, and yeah and, well and random stuff floating around and like those are all like funny haha bugs but tolerable right mm-hmm. whereas like un like unrecognizable human faces and stuff like that is like you don't take money for that like yeah yeah I, and this this is something where i think it is it is purely subjective because you're always going to get different camps of acceptance for that where some people are like, this is completely unacceptable and I can't play it in the state that it's in. And you're going to be at other people being like, this isn't that bad. I've played much worse, blah, blah, blah. You're, you're always going to get that. It's, it's varying and there is yeah. no right answer. I mean, to be clear, I think games should be, you know, much more polished than even my experience of this game when it comes out. Yeah. But, well, I mean, but playing the, the <laughs> bugs are oddly a, a thing that, you know, not everybody experiences. Right. Right, right. right. Although I, a lot of the ones that I've come across, like I, I describe it and like, oh yeah, I got that one too. So like, it's like, it is that's funny, the yeah. that's the kind of level where I'm like, okay, if more people are getting across the same bug, there's a problem. Well, it's not right. some random thing. I think I think when you when I review something, there's always that moment of like, okay, you know, this is buggy. How much is it infecting my enjoyment? And you kind of have that tipping point and. In yeah. my own evaluation, I definitely think Cyberpunk crossed that tipping point for me where yeah. I was like, this this is so widely buggy that it is absolutely impacting my enjoyment of the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, the, that line is very often lost progress. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. if things are... I think I'm probably more tolerable tolerant of frame rates then maybe even the rest of you guys are um, just cause I don't know. I think maybe it's because of being a video editor. I'm so used to watching video at like two or three times speed mm. that my brain just kind of like moves past it. I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. It's there. But I don't know why, but yeah, I, I people T posing and stuff and, and floating purses and things like that. I'm like, all right, whatever. But yeah, if I, if, if my time is stolen, that's when I start to get mad. It's it's weird because I think like anyway I we probably I I know I don't want to cut this conversation off because I think it's been so good but we've been going for a very very yeah, very long fun. time and I there are twenty three minutes there are actually <laughs> other parts of the show that I I kind of want to talk about 
sort of the it's it's not entirely this but there'll be a later part in the show where we sort of talk about the 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 response to the problems of cyberpunk 2077 and then we we got an email i think that asks us about kind of the social issues surrounding cyberpunk 2077 i don't know why i needed to say the full title there but we got it and and i do want to get into that stuff there because i have more to say but i think we all need a breather um even though I'm realizing that I constructed this show in such a way where it won't quite be a breather. Um, yeah, we're going to get into the hard stuff, it sounds like. But, oh but, but Blood, uh, are, you, are you familiar with our one-sentence game we do here on Frame Trap? Um, I've seen it, but I don't, I don't know if I remember it off the top of my head. Okay, so I am going to give you a company... Um, and you get a maximum of 10 where like you get an opportunity to, to, to speak to the person that is most possible of change, right? Where like they, they have the most influence. This is a hypothetical scenario. This is roll mm-hmm. with me here. And you get to say a maximum of 10 words to them. <laughs> uh, I did just talk about us needing a breather, but <laughs> the company I've picked will not really allow for that. Uh, because I'm going to give you one sentence to say to CD project red. You could talk to him <laughs> right now. What would you say? Um, well, I, I right right now. Um, well, I, I think the thing is, is I, I come back around to because I just retweeted it and requoted myself. But it's like, yeah, it's like you have to wait to announce your date. You have to wait. You have to wait to announce. I like that it rhymes. Date. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you're. I think you're there. I've said. I've said it before, but it's. it's a, yeah, they they started this campaign. They started this project with. You know, it's coming when it's ready. When it's ready, yeah. And it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It just isn't. When it's, yeah, when did the shareholders or whoever get in the way of that? Because, like, mm-hmm. that was the right mentality, and then they put a date on it and delayed it three times, and it still wasn't ready. <laughs> there, There's a lot to say to CD Projekt Red right now, Blood, but I don't, I, I, I think that is a very good thing to say. So not only did you come up with that super quick, I think well, I would I struggle. I mean, that's not the first time. It's like the third time I've sure, said it. Sure, that's, that's fair. <laughs> we have been talking about this a lot. But You're not wrong. You did a good job. Um, this little pause in the show, this little one-sentence game is brought to you by some wonderful shout-out to your patrons. Uh, if you want to find out more about this, go to patreon.com slash easyallies. But the, the basic summary is we shout you out on all of our podcasts, and we have quite a few of them. Um, and so, Ian and Blood, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read all of these names, and at the end, uh, I'm going to have us say shout out. And in the holiday spirit, because this is the the last episode before Christmas, I'm going to have us say shout out using your best Santa impression. (laughs) Are you prepared for that? Okay. Got to get my bowl of jelly going. Okay. So so shout out to Elthanis. Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford, Nick, Stephen Thomason, and Jesse Blue. Shout out! Shout out! <laughs> you know, I think that was about as good as we could muster after an exhausting conversation about cyberpunk. <laughs> I'm feeling energized. Are you? I don't know. Are you? <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know. I feel like we've had a good conversation. About oh, no, it was a really so good far. conversation. It was a really good. Yeah. I, I think I'm really happy with how it turned out. 
I'm just ready to go to sleep, I think is what I'm also saying. Looking at my waveform, I'm worried that blood didn't get a chance to talk enough. But <laughs> I feel like I always feel like that. Yeah. No, I worry about that, too. Especially as somebody who tends to dominate conversation. But I think when blood chipped in, it was very good. Well, it's like his 10 words. It's incisive. Right. Laser focused. <laughs> but you know I what? I ramble on and on. Let's give Blood a greater chance to talk. Let's talk about uh, Pixel Junk Eden 2. Yeah. I also played this. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> Sorry, Blood. <laughs> yeah. I, I jumped into it just last night. Um, I really loved the first game. Um, and uh, and it's, it's like, I've always thought of it, particularly when it came out on PS3, because there weren't a lot of, you know, artsy indie games to look at at that point. You know, I like. I always felt like I could put this on a monitor in an art gallery somewhere and be in a different room with a controller, and people wouldn't realize it was a video game. <laughs> uh, but it's this mix of just like, yeah, this kind of like all of this like abstract visuals paired with like trancey music, and then you know, I guess it's you know you would classify it as a platformer hmm. broadly, um, but it's. You know, it's really more about just kind of getting into that zone and like watching, you know, you so you you play as this little thing called a grimp. That's a good um, word. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a shrimp that grips, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, I was wondering uh, how they came to grimp. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so you kind of have like this little spool of silk and then you spin around and you break apart this pollen and then the pollen that you touch flows into the closest seed and then you touch the seed and it grows into a plant which is essentially a platform and then that's sort of how you move around this world um the two it's weird because in some ways it's not that different in other ways it's very different um and it's mostly comes down to the difference mostly comes down to the structure so a lot of it looks the same and has the same vibes uh but the first game Gave you just these really gigantic sprawling levels, mm. um, and essentially you're collect they're collecting these things called spectra, which look kind of like flowers, but think of them like a star in Mario sixty four, right? And so you can kind of see like a pulse that comes from off screen, and like okay, there's a spectra off in that direction, and you sort of work your way and spin your way over to that spectra, and then you hit the spectra and you know, you get basically booted out of level, kind of like in Mario 64. Uh, whereas in 2, it's a lot more, like, segmented, and I think maybe even, like, randomly generated. Um, so you, like, you find the different Grimps. They've, like, made little characters out of them with different, um, you know, like, one guy's into music, another guy's into art, and, and that kind of thing. And... Each Grimp has, they like, basically roll the dice and like, okay, these are the kinds of environments you're going to be in. And then for each one of those levels, like, you get one Spectra and then you can't go back into the level again. And then you go to the next one and then once you've done two or three levels, then you go to another Grimp and the process kind of repeats. Um, so it's a lot more contained in a way. And the other way that it's more contained like that is because before... I, one of the things that I have a, like a really struggle with is I feel like they've done a lot of things here to make the game less frustrating, hmm. but they also change the feel of the game. 
that's yeah i was gonna ask you about that i'm like does it control differently because it feels way different and i'm not sure why yeah it feels like the first game there i felt like there's a lot more of a sense of momentum yeah to your swings where you kind of had to like f- find a way to fling yourself up in a direction in the right way yeah um and like gather speed and like all right if i go around enough times and then let go whereas in this it's like you put your your silk out and then it like just kind of automatically goes out and does like a circle and then you just kind of push the direction you want to go and you're going to go that way like you know pretty automatically i would say um, yeah it, it just to just to chime in and agree like the first game felt really good to play and i find this one i didn't like it hmm. it didn't feel right yeah so i kind of i kind of gave up on it after like two or three or four levels yeah, so it's almost like if you like got rid of like if you had like Spider Man but without like that pendulum of the swing. Exactly. You know, that that again the momentum that in and out. They took out the zipping. Yeah. That's exactly what they did. They took out the zipping. Shit. And then the other thing uh, uh, that I think limits it a bit is um so like I said, like the original had these big sprawling levels where you go to all these different parts and, and climb higher and higher to get to different spectra. Um, but in the process of doing that, you could shoot yourself out in a direction and miss platforms and just fall and fall and fall. (laughs) And, you know, maybe you would eventually catch yourself or maybe you'd fall all the way to the ground. Whereas in this, if you fall like a screen and a half, then it like stops and like respawns you at the point where you fell from. And there's a time limit now. Yeah, there, you lose well, time. I, I think there might have been a time limit before. Okay. I'm not but 100% sure on You lose sure time, time when you die. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and there's checkpoints where you get your time when you limit get to restored. A checkpoint, yeah. You get, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but the thing with falling off the screen is, again, that same kind of back and forth of like, okay, well, this is in some ways less frustrating because I'm trying to get somewhere. I don't have to like work my way back up through platforms I've already been through. But in the other way, the other, on the same test token or on the other side of the coin whatever whatever i'm trying to say um in the original game falling all that way you might not go back to the thing you're going to but you would discover something else right you would go in a different direction you would see something else that would be interesting um whereas this is again there's only one spectra in a level anyway so you just kind of go to it and maybe i'm wrong that there's only one spectra to a level but it feels that way Hmm. that was my impression but yeah i don't know yeah it feels much more claustrophobic than the first game which is strange and yeah more segmented and more structured which yeah and just because it doesn't feel as good to play yeah i was kind of bummed out i really love the pixel junk games Mm kind of all of them uh and this one just the feel is wrong i wonder uh, maybe you can change the controls to be like pixel junk eden one i wonder kind of don't think you can but yeah so but but yeah ian it's interesting you're saying you're bounced off of it because like i'm i've been sort of in the opposite camp to where like i don't want to just like knee-jerk reactions like oh this is bad because it's different mm-hmm. right um, i i, I don't want to yeah. give the impression that i i like there are games that i like hard quit this one i just like stopped playing and haven't gone back yet but i I, i'm not like vehemently against this game or anything well it doesn't even sound like it it's bad because it's different it sounds like it is kind of disappointing because it's taking something that you liked and kind of like 
smoothing out the edges in such a way where it's less memorable or, or just fun to engage in. And that that's weird, I think, no matter what, but I think it's especially weird in kind of this this more artistic abstract game that you're talking about that it would like i don't know it feel what it feels like ben is a producer had some notes and they were coming from the right place but in in doing those notes they accidentally removed the game feel this uh, uh this reminds uh, me of dead rising where like people complained about the time limit and so they 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 took it out and like you can kind of understand where they're coming from but it was it wasn't a real solution it just made it worse because the people that did like that stuff it just upset them like it 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 was not a it was not a solution it was just like a, an edit in a, if that makes sense yeah mm-hmm. yeah what i will say though is despite having this conflict in my head about some of the gameplay i still really like it's a good thing when you need to chill out Mm. (laughs) when you just need to like let whatever frustrations have been going on in the week like just get in into this and like let the flashing lights and the trance music just like put you in the zone you know and do the little repetitive tasks and because like I, I still, I, I think it's one of those things, and and this is probably true of just like trance music in general. But it's like you can like play it too long and be like, all right, this is getting tiring. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd say for like you know thirty minutes to an hour, like it's, it gets you in a real good place. You know what that sounds exactly yeah. like? Tetris effect. Mm, mm. For sure. Yeah, the, I would I would definitely agree with what Blood just said. Like, it it doesn't feel bad. Uh, I don't want to give that impression. It's just I really liked the way that one played, mm-hmm. and something felt weird about this one, and I'm not even sure exactly what. Um, that that's kind of all I meant. But it's definitely a very pretty game, and it, yeah, very chill, very chill game. Speaking of things uh, that that are chill, Ian, you've said that Grindstone is very chill. Mm. Grindstone, dude. It's getting hard now. It's getting definitely difficult. But um, I'm in World 2, and I'm like, okay, I can see where this is headed. Um, but, yeah, Grindstone, uh, they just dropped it during the late latest um, Nintendo Indie Mini Direct, whatever it's called. And um, it's by Cappy, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, and it's got a really fun graphical style. Um, it's It looks like a match three game. But it kind of isn't. So the way it goes is you're this, like, warrior guy, and you're trying to get up this mountain. Um, and each level, each stopping point on the on your journey up is this little grid of monsters. And so, um, and all the monsters are different colors. And you can only move through the same colored monsters and, and slice them down unless you've previously gotten a chain of 10 or more because then that drops a gem and the gem allows you to change colors mid course so then you start to combo where you go like a whole bunch of blues gem a whole bunch of yellows you know and then they slowly introduce items like um and that the monsters will start to get mad and attack after your turn after a while um and you've got three hit points at least i do right now 
And so you can have like a shield that'll block their attack, or you can have a sword that does like a spin and win right around you, um, stuff like that to uh, really use in, in surprisingly strategic ways sometimes. Um, and when you clear them, you know, they drop down more from the top. Uh, and then they introduce later, they introduce like destructible boxes or boss creatures that take um, a certain number of you have to have your attack power up to a certain level so like one guy it doesn't matter what color you're coming from but you need to have a chain of 10 before hitting him mm. and you see the number of your chain above your head and in the corner um, or like a box you need to have at least three power but then it takes that back down so you get into situations where you're like trying to route in the most uh, kind of elaborate way to get your number up to what you need it to be to open a treasure chest or kill a boss or do whatever. And uh, they introduce lots of funding little strategy stuff. And so it's a really strategic kind of puzzle game um, that has really chill kind of vibes to it. I, I found that it's really fun to just play at night in bed while I'm like watching YouTube videos or something. Uh, and then in between levels, um, you can unlock blueprints and stuff and go back to the inn which you unlock more and more floors of it and uh you know there's a there's a a saloon at the top where you can heal your missing hearts there's a workshop that can build like a sword or a shield or whatever for you um and some of them recharge between battles and some of them you have to put more um like gizzards or hearts or whatever into to charge back up again uh, so there is like a bit of progression to the game as well as you're climbing up this mountain and solving puzzles and fighting monsters. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's the brass tacks about grindstone. It's a cute game. Yeah. And it, it just visually, it looked really, really impressive in the Nintendo. Right? I like the style. Just, yeah. just like a lot of value there. Um, this, this may not be accurate. So this, this may be a poor question because I haven't played the game, but there, there are two things thinking about a game like this that I, I'm like, okay, this is something I could potentially run into that would be a problem. And the first is like you were talking about um, sort of routing out different strategies and stuff that can be really fun. But I also think you can run into situations where like you get to a stage and you're like trying to figure it out and then you do figure it out. But by the time you figure it out, it's too late. And so then you just yeah. have to go do it again and it, it's frustrating because you're like, wait, no, I figured it out. And like the replaying of it isn't that exciting um, because you're just, just waiting to apply a solution. You know what I mean? So far, I totally know what you mean. So far, uh, it's avoided that feeling because what you do in step one or two changes the entire layout of the board. And so if you do a different thing, the situation changes, you know, mm -hmm. like the boards definitely have a setup. Um, when they start, I'm I'm not sure if they start with the same colors in the same places or not, but they definitely have like rocks in the same spots and stuff like that. So they, the layout is definitely a conundrum. Um, but I haven't I haven't found that I've had that pr particular complaint. Uh, there's another another kind of an element to this is kind of like a push your luck kind of a thing where mm. you since you only have three hearts and the monsters get progressively angrier as you go. Um, cause like if you leave a monster there for more than a turn, it, it starts, I think, I think it's one turn and then it'll start to want to attack back. And you, if you hit left tr trigger, you can see 
danger zones. And the longer you go without clearing enough monsters, uh, you know, after a while, almost everybody's been on there for more than a turn. There's no safe place to go. The incentive for staying in a level longer is you get more gems, mm. which are used for unlocking other items and stuff like that. Um, and you can get, like, I had a level where I had, like, 300-something gems, um, and I couldn't get to the exit, because if you die, you lose them all. Mm. So there's definitely that kind of push-your-luck element where it's the decision comes down to, like, okay, I got I got the crown, the treasure chest, and I opened the door. Should I just leave, or should I try to push it and get more materials? Um, and I find it's a fun kind of give and take um there i think i've i've died like twice maybe so far um and it's not soul crushing or anything you know it, it's pretty light but uh yeah so it's avoided that problem for me and usually on levels that i've failed i go back and just destroy them mm. um not because i feel like i know the solution but because i kind of understand better what the conundrum of that level kind of was you know i feel like so i just know how to approach it better I feel like you completely answered my second question, which is like for all of the, you know, different sort of twists that it throws your way, is it ever a problem where it's like fundamentally you're still playing sort of like a matching game, right? Like, does that become repetitive on its own? And it sounds like there's just so much going on that that's not really an issue. And it, I mean, there is, there's a reason that matching games are so successful and popular, mm. right? They're just kind of satisfying. So yeah, I don't think there's nothing, something wrong with that really, but no. it's definitely a unique spin on a matching mm. game. And I haven't played a matching game that has this exact bare mechanic of one color, get an item that you previously unlocked, mm. different color, you know? Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I find it interesting. Who knows how long I'll go on it. I've, I've been playing it pretty consistently the last like three or four nights. How much? Do you happen to know how much it is? I kind of want to check I this out. I believe it was $15. Yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. Top of my head, I think that's what it was. Okay. okay. Apologies if that's off by a few dollars. <laughs> um, I want to be careful with this next thing that we're going to talk about because we're going to have a, a spoiler mode that goes into it. And I have not seen the last episode yet. Um, I haven't seen Mandalorian. Don't spoil me. Yeah, no, no, I haven't, I haven't either. Um, and so I, I want okay. to refrain from spoilers because I enjoy it so much. But I, I do kind of want to talk a little bit about the Mandalorian. Um, Don't look at me, Bloodworth. Yeah, Blood has seen it. Blood has seen the last episode. I'm He's watching it guard. after this. This is his on guard face. Um, this is your warning, Blood. <laughs> yeah, I have to talk about this tomorrow. So yeah. But. Uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't want to like belabor the point or take anything away from the spoiler mode. I just wanted a, a space to say that I love this show. <laughs> um, and best Star Wars. What's that? Best Star War. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think both this and Fallen Order have really ignited and made me passionate about Star Wars again in a way that I was not and was kind of cynical about. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not going to say anything here that, that hasn't already been said, but I, I do kind of want to speak my piece of, it's so refreshing that the show is accomplishing two things at once where it's telling a new story with new characters and making them likable on their own merits while also not feeling completely disconnected from this broader universe that it has purposefully set itself in 
and actually manages to move forward that universe in a meaningful way that feels like it's consequential to whatever stories come out after this. That is such and, an impossible line to walk. Oh, yeah. And it like so many episodes, like first shot and you're just like, oh, yeah, this is cooler than six ninths of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> like already. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> well, um, the, the the last episode that I watched, uh, episode seven of season two, it was funny because, you know, I've been watching the episodes with my wife and we knew that uh, Bill Burr's character was going to be in it. And I was like, you know, the episode that Bill Burr was in was, was really good. I liked that episode a lot, but I don't really care about him as a character all that much. So like getting reunited yeah. with him wasn't like a huge deal to me. Like it was fine. I wasn't against it, but it wasn't like jump up and down exciting. And the episode was so good and so good. and and fleshed him out so incredibly well that now I'm on a completely opposite end where the next time that he comes around I am going to be jumping up and down which I think speaks to uh the the quality of this show yeah the the season 1 episode with him I thought like had some pretty cheesy moments sure. like cool ideas but was really cheesy and his character yeah was just kind of like i'm like it's a comedian what's happening mm -hmm. you know but i fully agree now i'm like wow that character rules yeah <laughs> yeah um blood yeah i think for me it's it's interesting because i haven't watched a lot of the expanded universe stuff you mm -hmm. know like i'm probably gonna I'm probably now going to dig into Clone Wars and stuff after watching this. I've been thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting that despite that, like, these characters showing up is still exciting. Yes. Oh, I yeah. love that. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't know anything about certain characters. I won't say who, mm. other than I know they're in, you know, other shows or whatever. Uh, but I'm already just like, yeah! <laughs> like... Hope they come back soon. Like, cool. So, <laughs> I am going to say a, a, uh, a an opinion that I imagine some people will get mad at me about. But that's okay. Uh, I, so, I talk about all the time how I don't. I want. I want to be shown, not told things, and I do think that is very important. And I think that that's something the Mandalorian has done really, really, really well. I don't super love that it hasn't elaborated in greater detail about Mandalorian culture. Um, hmm. And I don't, I don't think it needs to be super heavy handed about it. And obviously it has alluded to things and shown things that do make certain aspects clear, but I think Mandalorian culture is complicated enough and they kind of talk around things to the point where I don't think a lot of the audience is familiar with it and I, I, I do think it is an aspect of the show that I wish they addressed just a little bit more directly with mm. where we are in the show. I I agree and disagree, kind of. Like, I definitely think that they're hint making big hints mm -hmm. that they're going to definitely dive into that in further yeah. seasons, yeah. especially the episode with um, Katie Sackhoff's character yes. in this. Yes. Um, and, like, the the how to, how to discuss it without spoiling it, but, like, the revelation that she gave us about our Mandalorian and like his kind of uh, mindset about certain things uh, kind of turned things on its head a little bit. Right. Um, 
in a very interesting way. And I, I think that so far it's been handled in a way that like, you know, like show don't tell is definitely the, the, the rule. And, and if you are living in a world where you're talking to another Mandalorian, like they're not going to, it wouldn't work for them to just suddenly start talking about the histories, you know? Right. And obviously I know that they would do it in a more elegant way, but mm. so I, I want to know more. I think we're going to know more. I think we're going to delve into it a lot, but yeah. I also like super appreciate that it's been more just of a lore thing and cause it's their own past. Like they know it. it it's funny because I, I can't remember any other time especially in recent memory where, where I've, I've had this criticism because I agree. I, I even say it in the cyberpunk review, like how, how good it is that people talk as they actually would in this world. And I do think that is important, but I think when it comes to, there's kind of like a compounding problem, I think with the Mandalorian culture where you have a character that is shaped entirely by a creed and so i think having an explicit understanding of that creed is important and then it becomes even more important where people will be under the same name but have completely different rules and it's not that i don't think that they have explored this at all or made it clear at all i think they have but there's just kind of this like nebulous nature of it that can be a little bit frustrating to watch on screen and I don't expect this to be a popular point of criticism or something that anyone else agrees with, but it's just something that's been eating at me a little bit. Um, despite the when it comes to when it comes to like Boba Fett, Boba Fett falls into the like Joker category for me, where it's like the less I know, the better. Mm-hmm. Like he's just a cool, crazy dude. Let him just be cool and crazy and out there and doing his thing. Yeah. Although seeing some of the stuff we saw this season, it was like, I was like, wow, <laughs> this is awesome. Well, well, the thing, the thing is, is like to, to kind of maybe back at my point a little bit better than I am. There is media out there that does go into detail about it. But I think with the right. way this show is presented and how much of you can enjoy w- without that knowledge, like Blood was saying, characters coming in with you out, you having that knowledge. I think it is the one aspect specifically like around the, the Mandalorians and their beliefs where I do think you would enjoy it more if they could include that information a little bit better. And like you said, Ian, maybe we're getting there. Um, But yeah, I want to be really careful because I don't want to get into super spoiler territory because I, I do think this show is so great. And I, I swear, like it has gotten to the point where it is something that I look forward to, that I get excited mm-hmm. about, that I cannot wait to watch. Like, and I am so grateful that I haven't been spoiled on it because it, it has that really special place in my heart. And so when I say this criticism, I'm not trying to be like wagging my finger at it. It's just an observation that I had. And I think I could completely throw it in the trash because I am still enamored with this show. Um And something that I want to say is, you know, I think a lot of people maybe didn't grow up with Star Wars or it hasn't been part of their life forever um, in the way that it has for many people, including myself, um, or maybe they're turned away just with the intensity of the conversation surrounding Star Wars over the last decade. I think Mandalorian is so good that it kind of manages to separate itself from all of that. And like if you're not already entrenched in star Wars, I think this is a perfect entry point. And I had this conversation with my wife 
And it was one of the best conversations I've ever had where <laughs> I have been trying to share Star Wars with her for a very long time. And it's not that she hasn't enjoyed it. And I don't want to frame it like she has, but she said to me, Mandalorian is without a doubt, like the, the most I have enjoyed Star Wars. And it's like, well, why is that? And she's like, I feel like with other Star Wars things, I'm supposed to feel a certain way about it. Like people have just talked right. about it so much and it's so important. And it's such a cultural touchstone that like, it's hard to come at it with your own feelings, right? Because you've just been so influenced by people talking about it to death forever. And I feel like with Mandalorian, characters are kind of their own thing enough that you can come to it with your own genuine feelings and kind of get excited about it as everybody else is excited about it. And I think that is so, so, so important. And it made me incredibly happy to hear that this is creating space for that. Cause like, I don't think you can watch episode nine, for instance, on its own terms. You know what I mean? Like, like right. it's kind of, purposefully taking the entire legacy of the series and wrapping it into one thing. Well, that's, what's great about Mandalorian as well is that it, I think it allows super ultra fans who know like legends and know all the extended universe stuff and like know every minute detail, like there's Easter eggs and, and super story payoff things in there for them that also just function for, newcomers and mm -hmm. medium level fans as well just just as well emotionally because it's just well done storytelling mm -hmm. you know it's just like a super good video game kind of he's just like going on side quests as he's trying to do his main thing you know yeah and again this is such a, a nitpick but that is something that i noticed where <laughs> like in the in the beginning and middle of of the second season it was like yep he's going to like meet somebody because he needs something from them and they're going to agree to give him that thing. But first they're going to be like, no, you have to do something for right. me. And that is not an inherently bad structure, but I felt like it just used it like sure. so much that it was a little funny. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah, like, well, then the other kind setbacks of and then formulaic yeah. kind of part of it is, you know, it's almost like, well, the whole, you know, the whole season, which I think we could like say is true of season one, you know, pretty easily is like, is this is assembling the party. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. and then it's like, okay, we get towards the end and like, okay, now bring everybody together. Right. And, and there's always something that happens in the episode right before the last episode that's happened in both seasons. Now it's really funny that it, it happened in the same episode, I think in both seasons. Um, yeah. Also in both like, maybe like a 90 10 like maybe 10 percent of it is like a little gross because it reminds you of the monopoly and dominance of this giant corporation but also there's like 90 percent of you that is so grateful that it looks so good but like the production value of the show is like hilarious like there there are just moments where you're like i can't get over how good this looks like this this is movie quality level stuff you know, for this eight episode season. Uh, Thanks, Unreal Engine. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do they use Unreal Engine? Do you not know how they make this no. show? It's fucking incredible. No. So the, the they're basically on like a 360 um, giant television, like a wrapped 
screen. It's basically rear projection 2020. Mm. Uh, and, and it's got, they're rendering like backgrounds in real time on Unreal Engine and it's tied to the camera so that it parallaxes correctly and it moves around and they're they're literally shooting they're basically shooting green screen practically because it's being rendered and it's there and like the the screen is casting light on the there's a really fascinating behind the scenes videos hmm. about it it's truly fantastic stuff um which is really funny because when you know that you start to see like you don't see the seams literally but like you start to see like Oh, okay. Here are the set elements, the things they're moving around amongst, and then everything beyond that is computer, because the room is only like two thousand feet wide or whatever. That um, that is so fascinating. I'm really glad it's that you told it's me amazing. That. I it's the most thrilling, uh, like filmmaking stuff I've seen in a while. Hmm. It's very where, very. Cool where did stuff. you read up on this or watch this or whatever? Uh, there there are a few, um, lengthy, uh videos on youtube about it i think they put one up and mm. maybe unreal put another one or two up okay basically if you just if you just search on youtube like mandalorian behind the scenes like uh, unreal or like stage or camera so wait a minute um what you're saying is to put it as simply as possible fortnite v bucks are reigniting my love of star wars <laughs> kind of <laughs> like sorta okay Thank you. Like Fortnite made Mandalorian possible, kind of. Okay. Um, Blood, tell me about Fall Guys season three. Yeah. Staying on the Fall Guys train. Jumping in there. Um, you know, we had a, a, a couple hours um, to kill before shooting today. And like, okay, well, I haven't been in the Fall Guys yet. They just started the winter season. And I hadn't really... Actually, it's funny. It's like staying, staying up with it. I hadn't really kept up with season two much. Like, I... I think I might have popped in there like one day or, or something. Um, but yeah, I played a couple hours season three. A lot of wintry themed things. I've got a, a reindeer costume with some like, um, I've got like a skin that looks like like green with like holly and stuff on it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, lots of new modes with like ice themes and snowballs and, and things like that. I've the i think that there might be like a pretty like small set of new stuff but then you can either play with just the new stuff or have it like mixed in with all the old That's stuff and all nice the season option. two stuff as well um so you can kind of set your your playlist up that way uh, but there's uh tundra run that is kind of like one of your like standard obstacle courses but there's a lot more of new elements in there there's like fans that will like blow you around they're like these springboard traps so a fan will blow you onto a springboard and then it will launch you off the stage. Um, then they're like these like basically like boxing glove type things that like punch out from the sides or from below you. Um, and then um, there's ski fall, which is like um, it's like ski ball, but <laughs> with you going down this like ice chute and like jumping through holes and then like you're trying to get into like ultimate hole at the bottom and and basically whoever uh basically you rack i think you have to rack up to like 15 points yeah you need there's like, like bronze silver and gold colored holes and you try to get 15 points to qualify um and then you know the qualifying number always changes based on the amount of people you have at that point um and then uh freezy peak is interesting because it's like 
it's like an obstacle course level, but rather than just like going like straight forward ahead, you're trying to kind of climb upwards. And so then you've got like snowballs falling down on you. You've got like these like spinning like treadmill things and, and stuff. And so it can be really easy um, to fall off of that. And then um, there's one with penguins that I haven't actually done yet. That seems like it's kind of like a combination of like the tail game and the egg game. So you're like trying to grab penguins and like hold them for like as the longer you hold them, the more like your score goes up. Um, and then there's one. Okay. Yeah. There's one with that's a, the only team game that I've seen. Well, is uh, actually, no, I think the penguin one's a team game too. Uh, but there's another team game that's like snowballs. And that one has been the hardest one <laughs> for me so far. Because <laughs> your whole team is trying to roll your ball through these like hexes of snow that are on the, the board and you're trying to get the ball up to a hundred percent and the first two teams that get to a hundred percent survive and then the other team gets knocked out. Um, but it's crazy because it has those like punching uh, boxing glove things that'll knock your ball across the arena. And I'm like, is that good or bad? Because on the one hand it's like, okay, if I, if it gets punched, then we've got to catch up to the ball and start rolling it again. But it also will like go over a lot of snow mm. really quickly in that amount of time. Um, and then the kind of final round uh, is thin ice, which is basically it's it's a it's like hexagon. But imagine if you took hexagon and you like just took all the stacks and like merged them together. Mm. So it's like right above the slime, uh, and then there's like several layers of the of hexagon ice that kind of crack and and you you fall through it but you can if you fall onto the next layer you can still jump up mm. to another layer that's next to you um, so the strategy feels a little bit different because it takes a lot longer for them to disappear that's something that i'm really open to because i think that hexagon game just is an interesting one but beyond that I the frustration that I have with Fall Guys is I really 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 like it, but I always get super bummed out whenever I have to do a team game. Like the team games just drive me crazy because like you're doing really 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 well, and this just maybe speaks to my personality as like kind of being like a lone wolf kind of character, but it just sucks when you feel like oh I'm losing because the team isn't supposed to be isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And like your great run is over. And then once you kind of get that like stigma in your head, you get bummed whenever those team games randomly come up. And like, it's kind of turned me away from fall guys hmm. to the point where like, I just don't engage with it. I wonder if these new games are good enough or if this like new team game would be enjoyable in a way that I haven't experienced before. Yeah, I, I'll say, like, I actually did like the other rolling ball one where, you know, you've got, like, the three lanes and you, you, you're going down and mm -hmm. you're all trying to, like, push it in tandem. And then you people have kind of that decision of, like, well, do I, like, try to interfere with the other team or not? And it's funny because I feel like more often than not, the people that are interfering with the other team's ball, <laughs> like, end up not pushing their own ball to the goal. Right. So this still has that kind of element to it to where like other people will come and try to stop your ball and, and that kind of thing. But I ha like I said, I'm still like, trying to figure out like 
how exactly the team strategy plays into pushing the the ball around because it just it just feels like okay well if one person is pushing it this way then i'm probably just going to you know just try to follow the momentum um or if it looks like it's going to a place where there's no snow then I'm like okay i'm trying to you know get on the other side but it's yeah it's it's interesting sometimes like the team games is almost like it's like amalgamation of wills <laughs> yeah and it's like why is that other team doing so much better like there's no teamwork that i can see to put into play here yeah there's just something in my mind where like even if i have a really bad run of something like if i messed it up that's like easier to swallow than being like no mm -hmm. you guys aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing um probably just a me thing but uh i i with the new cosmetics and really just fall guys in general do you think that stuff is is appealing enough to you that it's helping you drive your your want to engage or are are you mostly just playing because it's fun on its own i'd say mostly because it's fun on my own mostly because there's always that sense in fall guys that like oh i i could have just done something a little differently or i or i got robbed or whatever so the, the, the kind of like that run back mm -hmm. feeling um but i think that the the cosmetics are, are pretty good and there's just so much of mm. it you know you know and like you see things that other people have gotten and and the reindeer you know just yeah i think there's something about getting dressed up for the occasion yeah absolutely that feels nice mm -hmm. you know and i i skimmed through like what's you know like the end game whatever costume for the season and it's like this walrus with like a top hat and a monocle and like okay <laughs> this is a really good skin <laughs> Well, Blood, you may be uh, getting dressed up for the season, but no one is ready for this hotake! Um, I'm sure I'm not. I'm sure you're not. Of course, uh, like many <laughs> things in, in video games right now, it revolves around cyberpunk. And I know um, you guys already talked about on the podcast kind of the um, the refund situation and being pulled off the PlayStation store and all of that stuff is very, very, very interesting and worth talking about. But kind of what I got rolling in my head and I'm not sure how to sort my feelings on goes back to the opening question of, of talking about internet discourse and stuff. Because on one hand, like I absolutely think people should be vocal about a product that doesn't work. But I also feel like more often than not, we kind of slip into this piling on situation where it's like mm -hmm. everybody is aware of the problem everybody is like knows how they feel about it and then we just keep like kicking a dead horse and yeah. that is also influenced by you know people's emotions and then emotions fuel engagement and then that like helps clicks and advertising and all that sort of stuff and so it's also like a a a systemic like capitalist issue, but I, I just, I don't always know how to feel about it because sometimes I think something can, are we the cyberpunk? All yeah. along? <laughs> I just think something can be just so saturated that it kind of makes you numb to it. And this isn't really so much a pointed question as, as much as it like, how do you guys feel about it? How do you sort out your feelings? I mean, I'm just sort of 
taking it as it is mm -hmm. you know i mean it's it's like we said it's it's kind of easier for us to not be as bummed because we're playing on pc right you know and we're not dealing with like the crazy crazy issues right. that are on yeah. you know playing on a base ps4 or something um i i could be wrong but i trust that they will eventually finish this game mm -hmm. <laughs> so there is that that's the hope yeah um I, I, I think that they themselves are very disappointed with where this situation is. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's an odd thing, you know, and you're talking about the discourse and it's it's strange to see, you know, the the pendulum swing so far from everyone, you know, being upset that people didn't score <laughs> it highly enough to then everyone being upset that all those people scored it so high. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what's happening? And it's just, as we were kind of saying, it's like you just kind of have to take it for what it is. It's like, okay, this is a a really highly ambitious game that still needs time in the oven. And so if you were one of those people that was going to wait, then good for you because in six months, you will probably not know what all the fuss was about. Mm -hmm. Well, and like you said, Blood, like, it's an important moment to acknowledge our privilege in this regard. Like all three of us have pretty decent mm -hmm. PC computer, rig like gaming rigs, you know? Right. And like, that's because we're very fortunate to do the jobs that we do. And we kind of have to buy this kind of stuff, but it's a tax right. write off. Cause it's like, it's business equipment that we need. Right. Um, but like, I, I just, I'm putting myself in the shoes of someone who's been super waiting for this game, who has to, who, who has a PS4, you know? And like, how disappointed would you be? You oh know? yeah, it'd be devastating to to wait for this game for eight years, be super hyped day one, you got it, and it just is garbage. It's like broken mess. Well, not even that just that, but but never really getting a transparent. Right. This is how it's going to be yeah. beforehand. I think that's a, that's a huge part of it too. And that that is a huge part of it because it's like it is broken to the extent that there is no reasonable doubt. Like yes. there, it's, it's, there's no deniability. Mm -hmm. You had to have known <laughs> that it was this catastrophic on these systems because it is bananas. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's pretty pretty wild. And I mean, it's it's also wild that the the announcement of Sony like doing these refunds was phrased the way it was because my understanding was uh, Omar was telling me that CD Projekt Red had said like we're gonna we should pull it and do refunds, but then Sony like framed it like it was kind of their initiative or some some weird thing. It, it, it seems like it seems the, unclear the way that it's been communicated and the timing of things has kind of made it a little confusing to people um, because basically, yeah. So first, CD Projekt was saying like, "Hey, if you want a refund, go to you know wherever you bought it and try to get something." But then it doesn't sound like they had, they had, initially had communicated that with sony and oh. sony's refund policy is not great is and so almost non-existent <laughs> yeah so basically it's like if you have downloaded the game you know then it takes a very extreme circumstance for them to give you a refund like they're, pro they're just basically not going to right and so that created all kinds of problems because cd project is saying one thing and then sony's customer support is like what no like this goes against the policy and then um, Sony pulled it at like midnight in Poland. 
and like so they didn't have a chance to talk about it even well so here so something? i think that there there was coordinated coordination between the two oh, okay. in order to come to this solution but i think because of time zones and communication or whatever sony's announcement went out and then a couple hours later then cd projects announcement went out and so it made it look like sony was just pulling the rug out from under them but i think they uh, actually I probably see. did talk about it but and i think you be- posted today there's a hot fix for ps4 so it's like what's going on yeah so so that's the thing is you can't buy the game on ps4 but if you own it like you can download it you're still going to get patches all that stuff is still going to be supported right um and obviously you can still buy a physical copy mm. um so but yeah so i think essentially what it comes down to though is sony would rather pull the thing from the store than deal with changing its refund policy right and right set up this special program for cyberpunk but they're not very happy about it and it's it's exactly like what you said earlier um like no more release dates man just mm-hmm. just never tell anyone when your game is coming out ever until it's like literally finished and patched and perfect and i know that you have to test things at scale in a lot of cases but before you find out about these things but i don't think this situation maybe was one of them um i feel conflicted because it it, it, it kind of reminds me of um mass effect 3 where we we kind of got to this point where it was impossible in sort of the immediate aftermath of that game to have a conversation and have the endings of that game not come into play and i think the endings were uh, the feelings that people had I, i think are coming from an understandable place but the point that I think I'm trying to make is sometimes something can be so under overwhelming that there's like no room to talk about anything else. And it's like, well, there's an entire other game here. There's so many other things to get into and discuss. There's so many different facets. But this one thing feels like it is defining in a way that is kind of taking all the air out of the room. And I'm, I'm starting to feel that with Cyberpunk, where it is hard to talk about other aspects of the game without talking about the state that it launched in and on the other hand it's like i absolutely think people should talk about this and bring it to attention but even like think about all the detail that you went into blood about this refund situation with sony it doesn't really feel like that detail is being represented it's kind of just like oh haha this game is just really really broken like I, i feel like it's it's being oversimplified and kind of spread to the point where like it's like you were saying, Ian, there's this need to be absolutely right in a one instance where it's like, this is how we view this thing and you cannot view it any other way. And I don't think that that is uh, healthy discourse. I think I think you should be able to acknowledge something like this while still allowing room to praise the things that it does well. Well, it's funny because like we we in the in the fandoms of games or star wars or whatever we are all of us icarus because <laughs> like we just keep flying too close to the sun we get overhyped on everything and then we get repeatedly burned and never learn our lessons <laughs> and it's just like it's like yeah cd project red had this amazing pedigree and like how much erosion of trust has there been now like how much of an impact yeah. will this have i don't know like i don't know the lasting impact 
I, I, I keep thinking about No Man's Sky and Sea of Thieves and how like just like horrible the state of those games were when they came out and the discourse around them and like, you know, the, the, the personal impact it had on the, those developers and then those huge successes kind of that both of those have seen and they're turning around and it hasn't been perfect. It's been rocky sometimes, but, you know, obviously yeah, we've seen I, that this is very possible to write the I, ship. I think the one difficulty Cyberpunk is going to have, though, is that it is a solitary single player very true yeah one and done kind of game whereas no man's sky and sea of thieves like you're going to get back into those because your friends are getting into those right you don't have that dynamic with a single player rpg in the same way so it's like it's going to rely on them bringing you know significant new content to the game in one form or another well yeah Uh, because you know that angry people on forums or whatever will just say like, well, the story sucks too, or whatever, you know, and then like, that's going to impact some people from playing it. Yeah. I just, I focus so much on, on the, the discourse of something because I, it, sometimes it feels like, like we, before Cyberpunk came out, I, I think there was rightfully a lot of talk about crunch. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, just, people being put in ridiculous situations and, and working tirelessly, like all of that is still true. Like these people worked tirelessly to, well, now they're probably crunching even further. Right. right. To, and exactly. That's, that, that's, that's my point though. That's my point is, is I, I, I feel like I worry that the conversation now is not like, how do we work better? It's, you should have delayed it or you should have worked harder or this shouldn't have happened. And I, I worry that that is like superseding the initial problem with how this came to be. And what I'm trying to say is, is like sometimes I, I think gaming communities send conflicting messages where it's like, we don't want you to work ridiculous hours and we don't want you to crunch and we don't want all these things to happen, but we will descend the wrath. But why of- is your review so late? Right, exactly. But that's that's right. that plays into it too, where it's like it's like you want to have both things, but you're not willing to concede anywhere. Right. Where it's like yeah. you're not willing to concede waiting longer or you know or whatever. It's like I don't know. I just I just think sometimes the level of aggression that we say will promote worse workplaces for people. And it will create unhealthy atmospheres, both physically and mentally for people, if we don't try to tackle this in a way that is like good for everybody. And I, I think sometimes people are like, hey, I'm a consumer. I they, they did something wrong. This shouldn't have happened. And I think like logically all of that stuff is true. But I don't think that being true gives you license to be like raging. You know what I mean? Like, right. like just because all of that is true and you have a right to express your voice, the way in which you express it does have an impact and may only hurt what you want. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like the social media and PR managers, like they're bearing the brunt of like, who knows how much nasty stuff they have to wade through every day. And the, all they can do is tell you what the other people 
past them you know right. it's like right like their their job is to just to like make this sound as acceptable as possible um but they're not actually making you know a lot of those decisions right well and it's it's a funny thing because i i keep trying to think like i'm having a multifaceted thought here so let me try to unpack it but like what one it's, yeah, you want to you want to say like, well, who who screwed up? Like, whose fault is this? What went wrong? Mm-hmm. And I think on the one hand, what the games industry can learn from this, kind of like what we were talking about with Mandalorian before, is and like the adage of screenwriting one hundred and one, you know, show don't tell. Maybe game companies just need to talk less about their games before they come out. You know, show them, put up a gameplay demo, do all that kind of stuff. But then don't go much beyond that. Don't talk about all the crazy, amazing things you're going to do in cyberpunk, you know, so that it just speaks for itself more and you don't fill. I mean, obviously, just seeing a thing, the human mind is going to extrapolate. Um, But maybe that's just a small piece of the puzzle. Part two of this is the games industry, developers, companies need to get better at knowing their scale and knowing their limits and knowing what's possible yeah. and how long it'll take. And like super giants, a great example of that where they were like mandatory five, no messages after 5 PM on Fridays, whatever, but they're also making like way smaller games with a smaller team. And it's like, that to me is a good example from what I can see from the outside of knowing your, like your units <laughs> capabilities. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, I think that's CD project, <clears throat> falls into two pitfalls with that in in that one being that they're you know every you know aside from gwent and thronebreaker which were kind of smaller side things yeah um every game that they've set out to make is more ambitious than the last one right so there's almost no telling like what the scale and the time frame is when that's your goal is to very you know, true you don't know always yeah well, make one of the biggest best rpgs ever and then the other second pitfall is for at the level that they're aspiring to they're not that big of a company mm-hmm. yeah they're not ubisoft they're not activision they don't put to out you know six or eight games every year and yet, though, Blood they Wars, haven't and put yet, out a game in years. And but, so they don't go through the cycle of launching a game and the pitfalls of launching a game. And, oh, this happened last time. So let's make sure the other teams know, like, let's give them more space. Like, they have the team. But, like, the third prong to that Bloodworth with, with CD Projekt Red is, like, I can think of few games more advertised than this one. Mm. Like, I have a jacket for this game i've seen billboards <laughs> everywhere like and i'm not even going anywhere you know <laughs> like yeah a, a, like the 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 carpet they rolled out at e3 was bonkers like they built a bar like uh pump the brakes well like you know th- those are two points that i actually kind of want to wrap together and that is normalize normalize things not working out and I, I do think within the gaming industry, we have kind of gotten better at that, but also gotten worse, where if it is an independent game, right, or gaming by a couple of people, and they come forward and they say, like, hey, we're not ready yet, or this isn't, this is what 
we wanted and this is where we're at. I think people are like, oh, okay, that, I understand. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're a small team or you're an independent project or whatever. And so I'm very sympathetic to that. And I think um, that, but that can also happen on a massive level, right? That can happen with big games that are trying to, you know, accomplish so much. I think we need to get to a point where both on a marketing level and on a consumer level, we need to create space for creators to come forward and say, like, we're not there yet. Like, you know, this is this is what we thought we were going to be. This is where we're at right now. And like, I, I want to create space for people to say, like, we don't know when it's going to get better. And I think about I think about Halo Infinite and the response that that had. And I really appreciate the messaging of like, we are going to give it more time. Actually, we're going to give it even more time than that. And I don't know if that's going to work out for them. I don't know the the state of that game, but I think that kind of mindset is good. And I feel like with Cyberpunk, this thing got out the door when it wasn't ready. And I would have really appreciated like an honest and heartfelt, this is not ready. Um, If if they literally said like, hey, we know we promised we wouldn't delay it again. Right. We know you're going to be super mad. Right. But this game is broken, right? Like, and we need more yeah. time to fix it. And we're very, very sorry. Don't make that sorry. promise that you're not going to delay. Well, don't don't promise yeah. anything why, in the first why place. Make promises, right? Yeah. And it's it's not never promise anything. <laughs> yeah, and it's true to point out that the, that they did delay it, and they did say it wasn't ready yet. But it, it again, it, exactly, it comes down to that language, right? Where what they should have been doing is rather than showing these trailers that it's like it looks flawless and like you can't right. wait to experience this groundbreaking thing. Like imagine if they were showing trailers where it's like, here's what we've got and here's this guy T-posing. And it's right. like, I, I know it's not this simple and I know it's not that straightforward, but I think that communicates a level of honesty that would have avoided this entire conundrum well, <laughs> if we could get closer the, the... to that. Well, the ironic thing with cyberpunk being this lightning rod and and how much they marketed it and how much money is behind this and how much was riding on hitting that date um is capitalism right (laughs) and like capitalism being the enemy of a cyberpunk world and in our own reality um like that's what's so ironic about this is because like they can't like they're trapped for whatever reason like they had to put it out that date they had to promise they wouldn't delay it again. Right. I don't know why. Um, and if they didn't, they certainly should not have done that. But like, that's the that's the the wild thing about this is that there are so many moving parts, so many dollars, so many different departments, yeah. so many other companies involved that that the the machines very quickly at a game of this scale, I think, um, gets gets too big to stop. Yes. And like. Microsoft is so big and Halo is so big that they can just be like, we're giving it another year, maybe more because mm-hmm. you're right. It looked bad. We're going to fix it. CD Projekt Red, like Bud was saying, this like middle-sized company with with quadruple A-sized dreams, you mm-hmm. know, that train has got no brakes after like, after you announce a date, you know? Like, yeah. even if you delay it three times, like, you're going to crash into the mountain mm-hmm. uh, if you don't put it out for better or worse. And I think that that mentality is so flawed and like whatever is the root of that in the gaming industry and in film and in every artistic endeavors, 
you know, and I mean, it's capitalism, but it's not that simple. Right. You know, because like if there was an endowment for the arts or whatever, and people could just like put stuff out, <laughs> you know, like it'd be a way different story. That's a whole different entire world. But you're completely, completely, completely correct, Ian, because a lot of the, the issues that we're talking about extend well beyond cyberpunk and get into like how the whole world functions. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it is 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 easy and even arrogant to like sit here on a podcast and be like, well, I wish this could happen, right? Because uh, <laughs> all they have to do is not say a day. Yeah, do 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 yeah. it. Well like advertising contracts, just like the little bit of behind the scenes we get with, you know, our partners and like yeah, we're you know they're gonna up you know upfront sell things for like all of next year right. and like right. and and that kind of thing you know they're trying to lock that stuff in and so that kind of thing is going on with with cyberpunk as well you know and like yeah. the, the crazy amounts of money you know they sent me these rock rockstar whatever they sent me energy drinks um, <laughs> a box full of energy drinks and I'm like what am I going to do with this right I mean that's a that's a great example blood the yeah. what was it monster energy drink that had Halo on it right that like. Went- that the, was a deal. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was out because the game was supposed to be out. <laughs> like, yeah. There's so and, many uh, intermingled you know, things. Death Stranding is like changing gameplay systems as a yeah. crossover. Like The Halo Infinite monster thing that went out is like poetic. And it's, it's amazing. And it speaks to so much. Um. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 do, I do recognize that we have the easy job here and that, that, that the poor people at CD project red do not. And, and are, are, I'm sure are going through so much. And I, I think it is important to be empathetic towards those people. You know, I, I think a lot of people spent huge chunks of their life giving everything to this game. And I don't think having that sympathy turns you into some sort of corporate defender. And it disgusts me that, people confuse empathy with like obedience. It's not the same thing. I, I like you can express disappointment and, and anger without also turning people into products because they're not, you know, and well, again, it's, it's, you can be, you can be dissatisfied with the product. You can be dissatisfied with the company, mm-hmm. but you have to remember that human beings made that product yes. and work at that company. Yes. Are we ready for some emails? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every time I get the football. Are you ready, ready for some emails? <laughs> maybe that's why. I, maybe that's why I say it. Maybe like subconsciously. Is that why you say? It? I don't know. Every I don't time know. I think that. <laughs> but uh, but maybe. All right. Sorry. Give me just one second. Uh huh. I cannot find this email that I want to address. <laughs> oh no! Oh, here it is. Okay, there we go. Okay, so our our first email comes in from Liam. He says, "Hi Ben and Allies. Uh, watching everyone get excited over Cyberpunk has had me feeling a little left out." I'm finding myself unable to bring myself to purchase it over the various isms I've now associated with the game, from the puzzling depiction of ethnic groups that play straight gangs 
that the original board game was parroting to various transgressions made by CD Projekt Red. Additionally, gamers harassing reviewers who brought up critiques over these depictions and a recent comment by a trans ally in the EZA Patreon comments asking for more discussion and awareness on the topic. It's hard to dissociate this from the game. I noticed in your 30 Hours Impressions video it was not brought up at all. In contrast, I thoroughly enjoyed The Last of Us Part 2 despite being aware of the crunch culture. I believe because it had not crossed a mental line I had drawn in my head. My question is, how do you draw that line for games and treat media that you feel has gone too far? I know the easy answer is to say don't worry about it and keep it out of your head, but I feel uh, it gets harder and harder to do with the more awareness of game development in recent years. Kind regards, Liam. Um, so I absolutely want to open this up to uh, Ian and Bloodworth as well, but this is something that I, I super, super, super want to address uh, because going into the cyberpunk review, I was very aware of the issues surrounding it and the concerns that people had specifically over representation and even more specifically transphobia. And I guess whether you believe me or not, that is an issue that I do really care about. And it is an issue that I feel emotionally invested in. And so I went into my evaluation of the game with that on my mind, you know, it's it's not something that caught me off guard. I, I went in uh, aware of it. And I think part of the reason you didn't see it in the impressions video is because if, if I was to make a statement on it, I you know, I really wanted to be sure. Again, I really want to take my time kind of with every aspect of this game. And th this is hard to say because you 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 always want to be careful in situations like this but in my evaluation of the game i do not find it transphobic i am not saying that that is correct i'm not saying that that is the only opinion i don't want to shut down dissenting opinions but i didn't think that this game had a prejudice toward any one group of people or a hatred or was trying to make a mockery of them in any way. And I want to go into that further by saying this game does intentionally represent people poorly. And I can see how that would be very uncomfortable. I think it's supposed to make you uncomfortable. Um, in my read of the game, and I, I, I say this in the review, I think it is talking about you have this future where you can do anything, you can be anyone. And what you see in cyberpunk feels regressive. And I think what that, that split is trying to represent is that just because we technologically progress further doesn't mean that we automatically become more progressive or we get better or that there is greater equality. And I don't think, and I, I did read other reviews. I wanted to get other people's opinions. And I, I saw that people were saying that they expressed disappointment in there not being, you know, something to kind of counterbalance the cynicism or this representation or that things should be represented a little bit more equally. And that was not my takeaway from it. I don't think in art you have to show something terrible and say to your audience, 
this is bad. Or I don't think you have to show something awful or represent a particular point of view and then go to represent all points of view. I think you can represent something in a way that everybody can connect to, even if you don't explore every single possible element of that thing. And in my read of cyberpunk, it was a universal problem that I think we're dealing with today completely, where I think corporations super grossly um, try to stand for things that they don't really stand for, or it's hollow, or it's just a way to like make people cheer for them. And I, I think cyberpunk exaggerates that kind of mentality that you see today to a much grosser and more clear cut wrong degree. Um, but I think it's doing that on purpose. And I think it, it, it like, if you, if you walk around cyberpunk, it flashes like it's grossness at you constantly, overwhelmingly, like it shoves it down your throat. And I think that is saying like, this is where we could get to. And you buy into it because it feels believable. Like you walk into somebody's home and the appliances that they have, it doesn't even feel like they own them. Like they have to spend money to like get food out of the appliance that they own. And it's like, I think there are so many elements of it like that where like you don't even get characters commenting on it because they're so used to it. And I also think that is commentary in cyberpunk where we can just be so worn down by corporate machines that like, there's no point in even saying anything about it anymore because it is just so pervasive. <coughs> and anyway, I know that this is long and rambling and, it, and definitely an imperfect evaluation of the themes of this game and what it's trying to say. And again, I'm not saying that I'm right, but I walked away from cyberpunk thinking, I don't, I don't believe this is transphobic. And I don't, I don't think it is being, it is trying to maliciously attack any one particular group. And I thought to myself, like, I definitely don't want to express those feelings to get people to like applaud to me, to me in a reactionary sense. I don't want to say something that I don't believe just because people would like it. And I, I, I don't like that. Sometimes it feels like that is where the conversation leads, where you have to say something or you have to say something a certain way in order for people to consider your point of view. And I absolutely think that there should be space to discuss these things. But sometimes I think we let a mob mentality take over to the point where there is no nuance left. I think, yeah, that was well said, Ben. I think, like, it is, as all things, um, you know, there's a very, bi like, not bipolar, but, like, extreme, extreme 10 or 1 kind of mentality in, in culture right now where either something's canceled or it's exemplary. Right. You know, and, and I think that, that's a reductive view. I think that I, d I do not think that cyberpunk is intentionally hostile, hostile. Um, as you said, I don't think it is. I think that its shortcomings 
are more through ignorance mm. than anything else. Um, I think it's the same as with issues like white privilege or things where it's like pitfalls that people fall into, they fall into without knowing that they're making these mistakes. Mm -hmm. Like they don't even realize. And so like, yeah, m issues of LGBTQ are, are the things I'm most familiar with. Um, and I kind of agree. Like so far I haven't seen too much that's like, I haven't seen anything like overtly uh, mean uh, in the game so far. And like the example that came up before the game was out was that advertisement for Chromaticore drink, whatever the mix it up where there's a trans woman who has like a large penis and it's like sexualized mm -hmm. um, her genitals, you know, are sexualized on the thing. And like, I actually kind of liked the artist's uh, defense of that is like, they basically said like, this is a shitty corporate world where everyone's body is commodified and sexualized. Mm -hmm. um, so, so would trans bodies and, and queer bodies would also be. Mm -hmm. And so like that I buy, like that I, I think is true. And that's the element of cyberpunk that I really like in a weird way is that everybody is a target for commodification and, um, exploitation mm -hmm. in that kind of way like they're going to charge you their dollar and they don't care who you are like there's a strange equality to that where i think that cyberpunk falls a little flat is in this regard is um it leans on stereotype pretty heavily mm -hmm. and i think that it um there's a sense in a lot of great cyberpunk stuff that um everything is commingled to this to an extent that like uh, it, it's really kind of a melting pot kind of mentality and like it, it not not in, a, in an erasure kind of a sense where it's like we need to homogenize everything but um, more in like a things commingle a little bit more mm -hmm. whereas in this things seem pretty segregated like you've got you've got the the gang that talks like this and looks like this you've got the gang that talks like this and looks like this you've got the corporation who talks like this and looks like this mm -hmm. uh, and like I've seen a lot of comments about Orientalism with this game, and I think that those arguments are valid. Like, and that's outside of my experience, and it's not really my place to say like, no, you're wrong. Like, right. the the thing I read said that like every Japanese character has a heavy Japanese accent, and that yeah. wasn't even something I had really procked until they said that, and I was like, oh wow, yeah, that's pretty much true. Like from what I'm seeing here, mm -hmm. and like on one hand it's like did they just pick a japanese company to be the villain and so it really seems like that or is this part of the kind of western um orient orientalist fear of chinese and japanese companies kind of coming in and taking over and like that's definitely a thing that's present in sci-fi and in cyberpunk and has been problematic in the past and so like i can't say that this game sidesteps that pitfall hmm. um and also um the i saw a very very true point about um and this is something i'm kind of disappointed about too even throughout the game because i kind of thought i could like change up my body and stuff throughout the game you mm -hmm. know like it's kind of weird like why put genitals in the game uh if you can't like <laughs> you know not explore them but like you know if it's if it doesn't matter and like i'm playing as as a female v female voice female body presentation you know um but like i have underwear on even if i'm naked 
in the game but not in the menu mm. which is weird and like i thought i thought that this game you know going in i had i, I love cyberpunk as a genre and i might let my fancies get away with me but i thought like hey like maybe since they said that they're trying to destigmatize nudity and, and sexuality and stuff i'm like okay and and you can play it you can play a pre-op trans person or a you know physically in this game and like i was like okay maybe you can like even keep playing around with that throughout the game like change your genitals on the fly like mm-hmm. get really into it and i'm a little disappointed that you can't do that kind of stuff and i do think that um pronouns being tied to which voice you pick is definitely a bad thing my theory for this don't know if this is true but my theory for this is that they were they've been working on this game for so long and they'd been recording all the voice lines for so long they'd only been doing a he and she variant and that was before all the heat they got for their transphobic tweets from GOG or whoever did that, which I'm not excusing. That was fucked up. But like that happened too late for them to realize their problem. Yeah. Uh, And I think that they, you know, I think that they could, they should still to this day put in like a toggle of just like, which pronoun do you want to use? Cause I think that that would be the way they could fix it. Um, alas they're they're not going to be able to probably record every voice line with a pronoun in it for to add a gender neutral variant um this just seems impractical with this many voice lines it'd be very expensive and too late but like the other thing i saw though is that you can't change like the character creator is kind of limited in a weird way and you can't change your body type you have to be this like traditionally quote unquote traditionally beautiful fit physique Mm. you know like and and there is kind of an intrinsic um body shaming kind of aspect to that too where it's like okay i guess i can't have a certain kind of weight or anything in this game and like that that's something as well and like i said this in one of the podcasts or something too it's like from what i've seen of cd project red they seem like a kind of company that's reactionary, like reactive to issues like this, because I think they don't think about it until someone tells them they have to. Um, again, I, you know, I can't super back that up, but that just seems to be the situation so far. And I mean, when it comes to LGBT stuff, LGBTQ stuff, um, Poland isn't great about that. Like there are protests and stuff happening even very recently um, in Poland about that issue specifically um so it is kind of an interesting thing to have a game coming out of a country that is having super big issues with that right now and to hold them to this big standard and that's not to say america is all that great about these kinds of issues either because it's not but um certainly not the world leader but it's interesting you know, and I don't want to get into like some kind of like nationalist argument where it's like all people from this place are like this, because obviously that's not true. Right. But it it is an interesting thing to have real life political social things happening in a country that made a game that has a discourse surrounding it involving the same issues. Um, coincidence or not, like it, it's definitely just a, a thing that's happening. Mm. And um so yeah, the game is not perfect. It definitely has a lot of problems um, in this area. And like you said, Ben, like cyberpunk 
intentionally plays with these ideas. Right. I think that going into this, I did not, I think I said earlier, like I did not anticipate CD Projekt Red just because of their track record and, and my hesitancy about, you know, like they've had some questionable tweets and stuff in the past. So like, you know, I did not expect a nuanced take or thoughtful take on these subjects necessarily um, in this game. I had hoped for one. I had hoped that they had like hired up a bunch of people of different life experiences that might influence, you know, where the game went. Um, I don't know if they did or didn't, uh, but definitely the game has its issues. Um, but what I've seen so far, and I've been looking, um, nothing has really tipped me far enough to say like, this is egregiously terrible. And again, that's from my place of privilege and I don't see everything cause I'm not aware of everything. Um, right. But there's one Super character, a doctor, there's a doctor character that is definitely like very queer presenting and you're, the characters that you see them with are not nice to them. Um, but they're kind of a bastard of a person. So it's kind of unclear if they're calling this person despicable because of how they, pre uh, how they present or just what they do. Cause like, they're not an upstanding citizen necessarily. Um, so like that, that was the closest part where I was like, why are we hating this guy necessarily? You know? And I think it's because he's despicable, not because, He's queer, right? That that was a, they that was absolutely how I read it. Yeah, yeah. They don't yeah. they don't specify a, a a pronoun that I can recall in the game. So sorry, I slipped around between them. But like, <clears throat> yeah, there, there is it definitely. Yeah, <laughs> I could go on, but I think I've said everything, and I'm just going to start repeating myself. There's there's a lot there's a lot that I agree with there, um, but there there's a point of comparison that I want to make, and to to maybe start this, it is. I think it is important to acknowledge and recognize that representation could be better, but I think you can yeah. do that while also recognizing the good things that something does. And yeah, in cyberpunk, there was actually in my read of it, some commentary that I thought was better than a lot of other games, because I think what you get with most games is you get the Ubisoft problem. And a comparison here is Watch Dogs Legion, which you may have forgotten, but also tells a story of corporations being evil and you rising against it. But you don't even really think about it when you're playing because it, it just feels like every edge of that is completely sanded off to where on one hand, it doesn't upset anybody, but it also just says nothing. It is, it is, just, it is just disposable. And yeah. I am I am by no means saying that that cyberpunk is flawless, but I do think there's actually like an interesting kind of duality to how cyberpunk represents itself that feels like it is a little bit deeper than your typical AAA garbage. And what I mean by that yeah. is when you walk around on the streets of cyberpunk, I really do think there is a broad, diverse array of people, different people of different body types, people of different ethnicities, but beyond that and unique to this world. And I do think it is a good point to bring up that I don't think it is trying to represent what our future will be. I do think it is fictionalized on purpose. 
Um, but you do really see a lot of diverse array of people. And not only do those people different physically, but cybernetically, they're very, very different. I mean, you have people that have all different parts of their body changed. And among these groups of people and among these conversations, they don't make that a point of difference. It is not something that they will attack each other for. There is an acceptance of it. But when you compare that to how ads represent people and represent things, these advertisements are saying all you want is something that can that can please you like sexually or socially. Like in every instance, it is saying to the society that it is selling to, you only want the most stereotypical representation of what you can be. And I think that is in contrast to the people that you meet and you interact with. And that is why I think it is important when I say these people that you get to know, you really get to know them and they th they yeah. feel like three-dimensional characters, regardless of how they represent themselves um, ethnically or sexually. And I think that says a lot more than something like Watch Dogs Legion. And I don't think cyberpunk is perfect. And I do think it is valuable to um, talk about its shortcomings, which definitely exist. But well, and even even I might have been guilty of of at, 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 the, at the very least worrying about this, like cynically thinking of CD Projekt Red as well cynical and 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 insensitive and unwilling to explore these kinds of topics but like like we've said a few times throughout this podcast like their their subtlety and nuance when it comes to characters and like the funeral scene like different people from different walks of life at this funeral mourning this person well and even when that starts before you actually get to the scene asking the relative because they're from a different culture than your character like how, how do, does yeah. this work how it's almost like this? an yeah. educational kind of thing like i'd have to look into like is this does this actually reflect real world traditions mm -hmm. but it feels like you're getting walked into something that you're not familiar with absolutely and so like that it's it's a it's a great example of that they're not they're not just cynical monsters telling this uh emotionless story right mm -hmm. like as as much as i you know cynically might have feared they were right right like and and i and i it, it the, the the issue is yeah it's sometimes hard to tell especially with a world like this where is the line like an example like you were talking about like is everyone skinny and and quote-unquote traditionally attractive because it's this uh black mirror-esque homogenized cyberpunk nightmare where like everyone has body modded themselves into oblivion because that's the ideal mm -hmm. like is that a statement that's being made and and the reason i'm not sure is you can't make the choice as a character to go against that on purpose mm. you have to conform to that too and so that for every for everything i'm like well, clearly they're 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 making well, a comment on this. To, to, there's a there's a little tiny part of my brain saying like, but are they to, always to an extent? But even in what you're saying, you're only talking about it from a physical perspective, and the character that right, you play, right. which is different from a lot of the other characters that you see, is right. that 
you also have a voice. And so while you may be physically limited to certain aspects, what you say and how you treat people, you are still given an option there. And that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be more variance physically, but I think it is important to bring up that you have other opportunities of expressing yourself and that can be valuable in its own way. Um, I wonder if they, they don't seem to have much impact on gameplay. Like you can't be like, there's no like renegade or positive path, right? I can't be like outwardly no. mean to people. It doesn't seem to make a difference. Yeah, you know, you're but, right. But like, there's a moment where a character asks how you feel about God. And although it did not like matter in a gameplay sense, I still was like, I appreciate that it's covering a lot of bases here and that I as a player can can choose how do I feel about this, right? Nice, And yeah. so I, I think that's what I'm trying to get at is mm, I, I like, okay. I think one of the biggest problems plaguing our world today is as much as possible, really getting into it. it is beneficial <laughs> to money to represent things as simply as possible, to take entire right. groups of people and say they are like this. You know, you should be against them or you should be for them. And lowest common denominator. Right. I think in its own exaggerated way, cyberpunk is making commentary on that where once you actually get to know somebody, they are far different than the world surrounding them, which is trying to reduce them as much as possible. And I think that that is a powerful message for everybody because money does not care about your identity and that is a problem and i i i don't know i i, I think it gets back into the piling on and and all the stuff where like we should neither like accept these things entirely at face value and beyond the hype train completely and treat these products like they're the second coming of christ in all circumstances but on the flip side i don't think we should fully condemn them without trying to experience them and trying to have a sympathetic view from where they're coming from. And I don't think doing that makes you a terrible person. Well, and also like if you buy a game, cyberpunk or anything, if you buy the game, play, play it for 40 hours and then something transphobic or something happens and it's too late for you to get a re refund. Like that doesn't make you a bad person Absolutely. for in for inadvertently supporting this thing. Like, like I said, I'm only 24 whatever hours into this game. There could be some egregious crazy shit I don't know about down the line, you know? Like, who's to say? Mm. But if that happens, I'll talk about it, you know? Like, I will make a comment on it. And, and you know, but it, it's definitely, like, obviously, like, it's our job to play cyberpunk basically like we all kind of have to at least dip into it because mm -hmm. we have to talk about it next month for goaties but like even if it weren't you know and, and you're curious about trying a game or if you would rather not like that's your choice yeah and like that's 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 up to you and if you decide against it like there's no shame in that and if you do it and then find that you were wrong or wish you hadn't you know that that's just how the the cookie crumbles sometimes mm -hmm. like sometimes you make a mistake you spend money on something that you turn out not to like even if it's not offensive some like i've bought hundreds of games over my lifetime that i just didn't like well and um, i think that that yeah you're you're speaking to you know a product that does not define you and i think right 
throughout. Right. You are not your fandom. Right. Exactly. And I think, I think, um, and all of the things that we've talked about, like that, that is a cultural problem that we have is it is beneficial to these products that you do define yourself through your fandom. And, and that is, yeah. that, that can, fandom can be incredible, of course, but that can lead to very unhealthy things. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, again, like we've talked about, like that discomfort with something just being fine. Yes. Is very interesting <laughs> yes. to me in our society right, right now. Right. Like, why is that such a hard concept for people? Like, why do you have to hate The Last uh, Jedi or love it? Like, why can't it just be like, it had some nice parts, it had some dumb parts. Overall, the trilogy really fucked it. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, like, or what? But I'm not like mad about it. Like, that's the thing. It's like, I don't get it. Like, everything's a seven. It's fine. Like, <laughs> just cool it. I don't know. I think we're just going to do one email today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pass out, man. <laughs> we really got into we it. We really got into it. Um, thank you for watching. <laughs>